Stumble, flam, wet, bang, smash, crack, tickam, caca, 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 and so on. What was that? That was the normal uh, things that happen when I call you up. There's usually the <laughs> dropping of things on the floor and mad scramblings. <laughs> I loved it. Yep. Felt like I was there, which I often am. It is nice so when you nice. show up for the shows. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. Hey, Dave. Good to, good to, good to hear from you. Good to How are you from doing? You. I'm doing really Excellent. well. I'm doing really well. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Well, I'll tell you, Dave, yes. uh, you and I have won an award, and okay. it's uh, it's uh, the Hack Matack uh, Book Award. Oh, and so uh, yeah, you and uh, and of course uh, Nina Matsumoto. Yes, uh, she was the artist on the book. You were the colorist. I was the writer. It was called Sparks. Uh, came out about two years ago, and yeah. uh, we were winning awards now, which <laughs> is nice. It's kind of weird, but nice. These are, you know, what I really like these awards. I like the ones that are like voted on by the kids who are reading the books. Me too. I think that's really special that that because uh, I feel like they're the real readers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the other people who are voting on these, you know, librarians and stuff. Who cares about their opinion of the books? They're the hoi polloi. They it's not they're the... rich. They're rich librarians <laughs> living in their mansions, uh, sitting on their yachts, yeah. drinking their champagne. Yes, and and you know just living the high life. On our late fees, you know, just living large they can live, uh, on those yeah. nickels and dimes. They could, live, they could live very large on my late fees, believe me. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I just think, you know, like, I mean, obviously their opinion is important. I, I don't want to just, you know, do a disservice to librarians. It obviously is good if they like our books and they're pushing it on children. But <laughs> really, you know, the book is written for kids. And I think it's great that our, our intended audience is enjoying the book and is voting, voting for us to, you know, with, uh, you know, and it shows and it's, you know, there's no like political part to it. They're not like, oh, I should vote for this cat and dog book this time because I voted for a book with a mouse and a, and a lion last time. No, no, it's, there's nothing like that to it. It's all like just, yeah, it's all them just liking it. Yeah, it's just right open fit. Yeah. It's just like this open hearted. No, no, there's no ulterior. I don't like what Dave's been tweeting about lately. And his, <laughs> yeah, exactly. His, his, uh, his anti hot chocolate uh, stance. Um, <laughs> it, uh, I, I, I enjoy I, hot chocolate. You are correct. And that is 90% of my tweets, sir. <laughs> Why not drink it cold? He says. Or <laughs> chocolate right. Yeah. Chocolate milk. The best. It was funny, actually, We just before... By the uh, way, this, diluted oh, chocolate milk is the best. Oh, well, we can talk about that in a second. That sounds right. insane. I think that's going to need a little time to unpack. <laughs> right. But uh, we did get word that we won another award, but we're not allowed to mention that award. So, yeah. until it gets announced. Yeah. So you thought when I was saying, hey, this award, you went, you mean this award? Like, <laughs> no, not that award. we got to put that one away. But it's... Uh, well, which is why we're kind of pluralizing... Uh, the term awards right now. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, this, the thing is, we knew we're announcing it as if we didn't know, but we've known for a little while that we won the Hackmatack Award, but we yeah. weren't allowed to talk about it because they they want to do the big announcement. But right. let me just say that you you and Vicky made a totally charming thank you or acceptance speech video for that for that award, for this Hackmatack Award, and I, and okay. I really enjoyed yeah, Vicky- it. 
Vicky Van, my sister-in-law, is yeah. a really great uh, filmmaker. Uh, yeah, she uh, she helped me with that, and we did uh, yeah, kind of goofy uh, acceptance. Yeah, it's uh, fun. It's fun. Now you have to think of a, another novel one for uh, for this one. You yeah, that's you uh, can't that's just repeat the, it. No kidding, it's the blessing and the curse. Here was the thing for like about I don't know a good five minutes. I was like, or can I? Because I actually <laughs> they don't, don't know. Mention, I don't mention the name of the award in the acceptance of oh. the Hackam Attack Award because I was afraid of pronouncing it wrong. And I was like, well, you don't need to at the Oscars go up and go, thanks for the Oscar. Like you don't have to say it. Everyone yeah, knows yeah, yeah. it's yeah. an Oscar, right? So you're That's at the right. Oscars. Um, so you don't have to say the word hack attack. Um, yeah, because really it's, it it's, hack, no it's hack medic is the actual name of it. Oh dear Lord. Is it probably <laughs> I is. don't know. I oh my God. <laughs> I know. I was thinking like, there's nothing stopping me from sending this uh, as well, except then they put the awards up publicly today on YouTube. And I... so my acceptance is in there and yeah. we can actually, we can actually put that on our, our I will. Page. I will. Thank you for t letting me know. I will link to that for certain. Yeah, so we'll do that. So yeah, I got to think of something funny to do, or uh, or you do. Uh, one of us does. <laughs> Maybe Nina will. I don't know. We'll all we'll think of something. Sure, I'll and, I'll, uh, think, I'll try and think about it. But uh, my, my my brain doesn't really work in that groove anymore. Mm. When you know when I was younger and I wrote a lot of sketches for for the things that we did, mm -hmm. I would constantly be thinking about sketch topics or things that would be funny to write about, and so my brain was always looking for something that, you know, would spark it to think of a sketch or whatever. But I don't do that anymore. So that whole part of my brain is atrophied and died. Mm. I'm, so, I'm sorry to hear that. Rest in peace, that uh, part of your brain. Yes, I think, rest, I think in, rest in peace, there. Dave's sense of humor. No, I, I hear you on this show occasionally be quite funny. You know, uh, <laughs> randomly. Every you know, every hundred episodes, I like to put this, you know, just to bring it out of the dust, out of the closet. and Yeah, the, dust the, the comedy groundhog pokes his head up and uh, and, and does a thing. No, I, dis <laughs> I disagree. I think you've still got, you've still got the stuff, but it's... Uh, no, I, but I, I think don't... you do have to kind of exercise it in, in terms of like pr producing things on a regular basis, if you know what I mean, right? Okay. I'm just not sure the accepting an award uh, mindset no, is, no, but uh, being funny about uh, it, like of course ugh, I could I just, know. I could just accept an award. Yes, that's very easy to do. But How? I, but what I mean, but I mean, you, you made it into like a funny bit, and that was really clever. It was fun. I, yeah, tried. And uh. and folks, <laughs> folks out there, sneakers out there in Sneakerland, if you are interested in what Ian had to say, then you can go to the website and you will see the the video there. This is uh, this is true. You you will do that, and I will try and think of something for there. It's a different it's a different thing when you're writing something for accepting an award because you can't be uh, sarcastic, you mm. can't be too biting, yeah. and yet the point of any humor is to flip something. Yeah. So you, then it's like, okay, I can't make fun of the award. Yeah. I can't really make fun of the book. Yeah. I guess I could make fun of myself. But I can't make fun of myself too much and just go, I'm a jerk. You shouldn't have given me an award. <laughs> oh, what do I do? Because I'm also accepting it for, uh, you know, Nina and also you. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. oh, boy, this uh, this is a tricky, this is a tricky trickums. Um, so, yeah, I'll try and figure out something. But uh, we got to stop winning awards. I have an idea, but I'll, I'll talk about it later with you. Okay, that sounds excellent. I'm, uh, I already approve it uh, wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, wait till you hear it. Yeah, it was nice seeing. Uh, it involves was not the ice bucket challenge. No, I'm just joking. What, yeah, what's that? I was, not, I was not nominated. Uh, we were not nominated for any Eisner awards this year, which is good because we didn't qualify. 
but uh, <laughs> but we also weren't nominated. We weren't. Did you say we weren't nominated? Yeah, we weren't nominated, but then the book wouldn't qualify because it was from a different year. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so it's fine. Yeah, it, next year we can get all like, hey, because well, we got a book coming out this year, which is Sparks Double Dog Dare, and then we'll all yeah, be like, and hey, what the and all a, the backlash against all these awards we won. That's an awesome book, and 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 some some of all of Nina's art is great, and some of my colors are pretty good too, but. I think it's going to be like our Lord of the Rings situation, and we're going to get it for our Return of the King, which is mm. book number three. They're waiting for that book to come out, and then they'll then they'll they'll it'll be sort of like a recognition of the excellence of the entire series. Well, Nina's working on that one right now, so uh, mm. the pressure's on. <laughs> pressure's on. Was it? A, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, oh, geez, now I'm trying to think. Like if I just wrap it all up with all the lead characters getting on a giant eagle and flying to something, uh. and I'm like. Do well, they? I hope that like, you have at least four or five different endings that all occur one after the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I if do, you did that. I, have, I have August getting on a boat. That's true. <laughs> Everyone crying, crying their you eyes out what? in slow motion. I'll be honest. There mm. are characters that do get on a boat. Oh. That does happen. Uh, okay, so they do get on a boat. All right, do they fly on an eagle? There are birds. There are large birds. Okay. I'm now trying to think of things in – they've made things in uh, Return wow. of the King, and I'll tell you if they're in – I'll just give you these spoilers. I'll tell you if they're in the third okay. Sparks. Okay. Does the mad regent of, of a city-state burn himself alive? Does not – there is a. There is definitely a mad regent of a city-state. Okay. Yes. Wow. Okay. There is. That's good enough for me. I don't the, the uh, burning himself alive for it. Blah, burn who cares? themselves alive. No, it's done. It's no, done no, anyway. Wait. No, no, you were no, right. No, no, no. Don't no wait. Okay. They do their origin story involves them almost being burnt alive. Oh wow. Yes, that is the first time we see them. They are almost being burned alive. That is true. Oh. And then that things turn on them, and then they okay. Go ahead, hit me with like another one. I'm very curious about this. <laughs> oh, geez, now now you're taxing my brain. Okay, uh, so is one of the characters sick in bed, and the other characters come in and then jump all over the bed, and 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 you know, does that happen? Sick in bed. All right, this is time for a rewrite. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you've got to go yeah. back. You got to go back to the drawing board. No, I don't think there's a sick. There isn't a. No, there's not a sick in bed scene. Ah. No. Sorry. Do they return to their former small town? They're still still yes, small they town. Do. They're small, but they've learned something about themselves, and it's made them different from the people in the town that they once lived. That they do, they still live in, but now they're different. I will tell you yeah. the way that they are. The way that they are similar, I think, is like maybe yeah, maybe they are different, but then they've always been different. Yeah, but I would say. But I just that mean that they've they... changed in a way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. They've always been different from their their neighbors. I think they accept things uh, as they. I think they accept that they're more accepting of things, and they've embraced what 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 it is. Uh, whereas before they were tr- like, say, uh, you know, what your is it Bilbo uh, Baggins, the guy he uh, wants Frodo, to uh, Frodo Frodo Frodo. You know, he's a little uh, s- stuck in his uh, you know little shire, and he wants uh, other things, and he yeah, wants yeah. Uh, stuff. Exactly. Uh, and then at the end, he's like, oh, shire's pretty pretty good. Um, that's, uh, well, the end, the end is kind of, I go, I, well, kind of, more yeah, but he is, he is changed. You're right. Yeah. He's changed. It, he's changed. You know what? They're changed as well, but I think like a lot of their changes happened throughout the, all the books. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you I'll know, give it to you. in the, in the book itself, I, I kind of prefer the ending in the book a li- more because in the book, they return to the, to the Shire, they return to Hobbiton and they discover that Saruman and Wormtongue have come there and have now turned the 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 former shire into like a nightmare 
place. Right. And With a spider or some such? No, no, not she love. No, this is it's just become like Saruman's, you know, like it's kind of like I think Tolkien was like kind of uh, equating what happened in the Shire with with the arrival of Saruman and Wormtongue to like the Industrial Revolution in England. So it's okay. instead of being like a, a quiet, quaint farming place, it's now like this industrial, you know, wasteland. And mm. so then the hobbits return, but now because of their experiences, they're they're not like the meek hobbits of old. They are like bold warrior adventurers. So they. They send Saruman and Wormtongue packing, and then the Shire can heal. And I always kind of like that idea that they've that they come back and they're not just hobbits anymore. They're like they're like bigger than that. They're like they've you know they've they've their characters have expanded through the through their experiences. And I kind of okay. feel like the movie kind of shortchanged that. I can understand why it's in its need to have like seven different endings. It didn't want to have that eighth different ending. So uh, okay, whatever, but. It was already probably, probably already long enough, so it didn't need like a whole other Hobbit, like the the uh, it's called it's called like the raising of the Shire. I can't remember what it's called now. There's some name for that section of the. Yeah, of the that book. sounds that sounds right though. Okay. And uh, I quite I quite like it. Like it's been a while since I, I read the Hobbit. When I, I read the last time I reread the books was just before Fellowship of the Ring came out as a, in the in the movies because I was so certain that it was going to be fantastic that I would never need to read the books again i could just watch the movie and it would be like reading the books but it turns out that's not the case that it's good but it's not as good as the books like it's still not it's still not a patch on the original books so one of these days i will reread them again because they are a real joy but i'll yeah. tell you this right now i will not reread the songs <laughs> i'll just skip right over those i feel like will you re- I re- reread the map the maps will you get the maps the, are great memorize the, the maps maps are fantastic i had the maps hanging on my wall as a kid I, photo- oh, okay. I photocopied them and, and colored them and put them on my wall. Oh, but huh? but nice. I I will not. I feel like as a teenager, I read through every song. I read all of the songs, every one of them, and that's good enough. I do not need to do that again. But the story itself, I will I will reread again. Cool. Okay. Very cool. I know I'm cool. Reading the Hobbit when you're reading the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings when you're in grade eight. So cool. Well, you should. Well, we sh- you should have been able to say back then is like when someone just went nerd. You just go, "Oh, you just wait. One day, this will be incredibly popular, <laughs> and 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 then it'll be, it'll be it'll win the Academy Award, and then years later, the same director will make the Hobbit. Why are they making the Hobbit first? Shut up. And then they'll make the Hobbit. <laughs> oh, will that be good? No. It then will they'll not do be good. more of them. It will and not by be that good. point, people will regret. Uh, all Lord of the Rings stuff, and it really have taken the shine off all of it. Not just Lord of the Rings stuff. I feel like Lord of the Rings wrecked Peter Jackson. Oh, like yeah, like, okay, it destroyed Peter Jackson. Like he cannot, he can no longer make movies. Huh. Well, first of all, financially, he doesn't have to. No, no, like, that's fine. But as an artist, right. as an artistic creative being, I'm sure that he would love to continue making movies. But you know what? I feel like okay. I feel like what doing the Lord of the Rings that he cannot. Make a movie now. Uh, maybe the same thing happened to George Lucas, you know, mm. doing Star Wars. Maybe that, maybe that ruined him as well. Like, did you, you he direct? Ret- sorry, did he direct uh, Mortal Engines? He did not. He produced Mortal Engines, but I mean, uh, he's all over it. Like they, I think he and and his wife and what is it, Philippa Boyens, and then Fran Walsh, and he. I think I think those are the names of and 
they did like the screenplay for Mortal Engines. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Oh, he did. Uh, sorry, he recently did the uh, "They Shall Not Grow Old" movie. Yeah, but that's more of a documentary where they, they yeah, repurposed they put, the the war, the World War One. Use special footage. effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's an example, right? Like he did the movie "The Lovely Bones," which is you know a, a novel, a kind of a quiet story of a girl who is killed by a pedophile, and she sort she narrates the story, and it's very um, it's a very kind of small story, but then Peter Jackson made the the movie version of it, and he adds this not in the book, uh, special effects laden imaginary other world to it, and because he just can't think outside of like having a movie full of special effects now, because he's mm. done you know Lord of the Rings and he did King Kong, mm-hmm. and then he he can't like think small and go back to like doing like Heavenly Creatures or or Dead Alive or or or, or even like um. What's that one called? The hungry one, or meet the feeble? Like he cannot, like he can't, like take his like ambitions and make them small again. You know what well, I mean? Well, he did do a small, a very small film. You know, you know the one I'm talking about, right? What was that one? Uh, not, you're not going to okay. say The Hobbit, are you? Because the people no, are no, small. no, no. Okay. Here it is, Crossing the Line, the 2008 film. You know that one? Oh, I don't know that movie. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was made in uh, two days. Oh, he and shot, it's a full length shot... movie. Yeah, he shot it in two days. Yeah, he wrote it and he directed it. Well, that sounds really interesting because... Yeah, it was it was the first film made with the Red One camera. And it's got no dialogue aside from, uh, oh. it says, like, incidental speech in the background characters. Now I'm getting less but, yeah. interested, but... Hmm. <laughs> wow, that's, that's yeah, interesting, I though. I'm, inter- I'm interested in it, but I don't know if I'm... I don't know if I'm, you know, going to go to my way to watch it, but that's that's. Uh, yeah, it's about World War One. It's two soldiers in World War One about to go into battle. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds even more interesting. Okay, well, you got me back again. <laughs> okay, interesting. Good. Wow. Okay. Well, that's fun. That's yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. It's I mean, crossing. Yeah, crossing yeah. the line. I just wish he could do that. Like instead of making like a dumb mess like Mortal Engines, like let's. Go back and do like Heavenly Creatures or Dead Alive. Like do smaller films. Like you know those films were small but big in spirit. You know. And oh, if... and I'm lying. It's a short film. I apologize. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes more but sense. But th- that'll save you some time. You know what? But still, I just feel like as a as a filmmaker, like you know, he just got he's got blotosis, you know, and he cannot. Mm-hmm. Like you look at The Hobbit. Just, that is that is like a horrible mess. And yes, I did go see every one of those movies in the theater. But believe me when I tell you, I did not enjoy it. I mm. just went out of sheer, I don't know what, obligation. I felt like, because I'd seen the first one, I needed to see the next one. Like, the first one was bad, but it had some good parts in it, right? Like, the scene with, with Gollum and, and Bilbo in, in the case, sure. the, the riddle scene. Like, yeah. those are two great actors, like, doing a really good job with those characters. But, well, I shouldn't say they're great actors, but two good actors, you know. I don't want to get too. I don't want to get carried away. But you know, it, two good actors doing a really good job with those two characters in that in that sequence. It's too bad that the rest of the movie exists around it. But it's really good that sequence. But that sequence works because of Lord of the Rings. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're you right. Know, you're so right. Yeah, I, I, and you know, it's it, it's really it really feels like a pre. That's a prequel to Lord of the Rings. Well, that scene. Y- you're and right. Then the rest is like, uh, here come the dwarves. Mm. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what if one of them dies? Which one? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't the, know the I don't know. Well, that's it. I mean, the movie is so big that it forgets what it's about, right? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't even bother to give you like a sense of who the characters are and an individual idea of their of 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 you know. I mean, I think the book's a little bit like that too, though. I mean, the book the the dwarves are some of the dwarves are are memorable, but a lot of them are forgettable. Mm-hmm. And maybe the movie could have 
done with some paring down of characters that you didn't need them. But it also didn't need to add like a, a romantic element to the movie with, you know, smoldering guy from, from being human. And it didn't need, <laughs> it didn't need to have like the idiotic barrel uh, thing down the river escape from, you know, escape from the, the elf city. Like it, <laughs> All that stuff was like, who cares? Like, it's, it, I know it felt like, well, this is the video game level. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna totally. hop from this barrel to this barrel, and I feel, you know, I almost felt like it's not even a like, real lack of faith in your audience, you know, which I don't yeah. think Lord of the Rings had that, except in not not allowing us to have um, Tom Bombadil, which I think is, you know, was a big mistake and was kind of spoiled the the whole series for me. And I know that sounds weird to say, like <laughs> the loss of one sequence, but it just feels like that character encompasses the quest in a way that it makes it makes the rest of the story understandable like you know so like why they're having to do what they do you know like you know tom bombadil is like this magical being who could easily like take the ring and just have it forever and it would never be a problem but it also it's meaningless to him so he could also easily lose it and it just comes back again and 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 the same problem exists you know so but you said you want to understand like the fact how little magic can impact on the ring, then we understand why it has to be physically brought to where it is and why it's, why it's a, a, a punishment, you know, why it's so punishingly hard to carry that weight and that obligation and, and, you know, why it you know, almost breaks Frodo. And, and you almost get that like right away with Tom Bombadil, you understand, ah, this is why it, why it has to be done, why you can't just have eagles come and carry it and all these other, you know, smart ass things that people say after they've watched one, one episode of the story. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's, um, yeah, I just feel like it, and also it missed having the Barrow White, which is like this really scary creature in, in the beginning of the story as well. Cause what's, what's fun about the beginning of the, of Lord of the Rings is just how inept and, 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 and ridiculous the hobbits are you know they're com- they're completely unsuited to this task they're, they're undertaking and the beginning of it shows it over and over again as as they just they just bumble and f- and fail at every at every turn but that what's what's that's what makes you know the rest that's what gives you the sense of their peril how important mm. it is for the aragorn aragorn and 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 legolas and and Gimli are with them, and Boromir to a certain certain point, obviously, but he's not the not the most reliable guy. No spoilers, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know it's it just really kind of that that's so important that whole beginning of the of the story and the way they kind of telescoped it or compressed it, uh, I think kind of hurt the tale in a in a in a way that left me left me like feeling like well you can't you obviously can't undo the outdo the books because the books are so much deeper than than this movie can ever be. And it got very close quite often, but it never quite quite got there for me. It's still very impressive and beautiful and I and I enjoy it very much. And I enjoy I enjoyed it in the same way I enjoyed watching the core the other the other night. Okay. Cuz someone was talking about it at work and they were talking and so I was like, "Oh, I I've never seen it." So I thought, "Well, I'll give it a watch cuz I've never seen that movie and they're talking about it in a way that made it seem the least fun to watch." And and what was interesting was to me about that movie was, or fun to watch was how much realness there was in the movie. I don't mean in the story, but I mean in like the special effects and things of like that, that, you know, like they have like these big giant lasers and they built a big giant pretend laser. 
you know, and it's there and it's like right beside them and it's spinning. And then, you know, they do some like rather lame CGI effects to make it glow green and then shoot a beam rather lamely into a cliff. But the actual like thing itself was like actually there and it was spinning and it was working. And you're like, oh, this is fantastic, you know. And then there's a scene where like the space shuttle comes you know, they, they, they're set off course by the the effects of the fact that the core has stopped spinning. It's, you know, the electromagnetic field's been affected. And so they can't navigate. And so the, the, the space shuttle goes off course and they have to land in this, in this, um, in Los Angeles, in those, uh, I don't know, they are like the, the runoff, the, you know, the, um, you know what I mean, right? Those yep. kind of canals, whatever they are. Yep, the ones from Terminator 2. Yeah, we've seen them. Yeah, <laughs> every movie that's filmed in LA, basically. Yeah, uh, I'd say that's probably the most famous one. Is yeah, like the... for sure, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, and so they, what, well, more famous in the core? Anyway, so then they land this, the, space, the space shuttle in there, and, and then it comes like, perilously close to this poor construction worker who's too busy grinding to be able to hear what's happening and all his friends are like who are yelling at him to get out of the way they all have to like scatter and then it like just stops like feet from him and then it's it's, it's actually there like they've parked a space shuttle in this ravine or whatever it is and it's there like you're just like wow that's crazy like <laughs> nowadays of course it would be like this kind of like faintly unreal object behind the guy that in no way convinces you that it's there and uh instead you know like so in this movie like they use the mix of models and then very substandard cgi and it was and it was a lot of fun the only part i was really unhappy about there's a sequence where they they go into a geode and they're crashing down through all the crystals and that was all animated and it looked terrible and i was just like oh it's too bad they couldn't have i know it would have been hard to do but it's too bad it couldn't have been done with a model because it would have been so cool such a cool sequence, but they. I know. I look at like uh, something like the Mandalorian though, and go like, that was basically like all done, mm. you know, uh, CGI, for, CGI for the most and, part, and it, and it worked in some ways, yeah. and in other ways it, it didn't work. But it, yeah, well, it's much better than the old CGI that they had in like the prequels to oh, Star Wars. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Like though that that new, but I mean, but the same problem, right? Like you can't have characters running uh, towards something. Though you've never thought, did you think that they were not outside? Like they were never outside, like in any of the Mandalorians. No, scenes. I, I to, uh, we've talked about this before, and I was totally fooled by the desert sequences. Yeah. I was not fooled by the forest sequence. Okay, that I knew was was wasn't real, but I didn't I didn't know what how they were doing it. I just knew that it was a set. Mm. Just because it, you know, it works really well in like a a, a lifeless situation, but as soon as you introduce life. It, it becomes less convincing. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, you know what? That's kind of good, actually. I'm kind of, let's not get it so good that you can't, that it fools you by looking like real life. We don't want that, really. No, no, it crosses into a danger zone. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I yeah. just feel like when I hear about, like, like you know, actresses' heads being put on, you know, pornographic actresses. And, and Deep then, fakes. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. I'm just like, ugh, that's really invasive. Like, who wants that? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously people do because they're doing it and people are watching it. But I mean, who really wants that? Like, who wants that to happen to them? Like, that's the person you should be thinking about when you're watching that, not how you're feeling. But how how do they how would they feel if they saw saw this? It'd be terrible. Yeah, so. there was something there was something like when uh, when we were watching Ready Player One, mm-hmm. uh, which I did not care for. Yeah. But uh, but the thing where they walk into the Overlook Hotel. Uh-huh. And and all the characters are walking around in the Overlook Hotel, and they're like, "This is this isn't good, yeah. but this is what could be good." The it's just the it's just the idea of like 
uh, we're going to approach a movie from a completely different angle. We can walk into a movie from the past that you remember so well. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Mm. What are you going to do with it? Ah, uh, there you go. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe Dr. Sleep will really nail uh, Okay, that's fine. Let's just not do the Overlook anymore, anyone. Oh, you're doing a whole TV series based on the Overlook? Uh, okay, fine. It's all fine. But for a second, it was like, this is really neat. This is cool. I like this. Nah, now I don't like it anymore. You made me, you made me sad. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, but look, I'm kind of tempted than... to watch Dr. Sleep just because I, you know, I have a pathetic old man crush on Rebecca Ferguson, but, um, and then see it, it's, you know, there's some good in it, but it's, you know, it's, it, and in no way, look, it directly connects to The Shining, hmm. but tonally is so not The Shining. Like, it's <laughs> like, this is not at all like the rhythm or the, you know, the feeling and the, you know, the world that you've set up with this thing, ugh, you know, what are you talking about? Knock it off. Uh, you know, it's, it felt very, very much like the dark tower where it was like, okay, so this is connected to the shining too. All right. Well then uh, who cares about the shining then? Then the shining, then old lady in the bathtub isn't a big deal. Yeah. If there's all these cosmic forces. Oh, and the it clown is connected to all this. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Then yeah, it was. Yeah. Then it really. They all got off easy at the overlook. Could have been worse. <laughs> Langoliers could have come in and ate everybody. Yeah. It's just whatever. Everything's crazy town. There's nothing grounded. The idea that it's like a kid who's got these psychic powers, and and just a few people have the psychic powers. Okay. And yeah. that allows him to see ghosts. Oh, sure, that's sure. interesting. And what did the ghosts do? Well, they can you know influence you. Oh, that's interesting. And it's like, all right, you know, it just gives you enough of a little push and it's creepy enough and it changes things a little bit and changes things a little bit is much scarier than changes things a lot. Yeah. The, you yeah. know, it's much the shining is much scarier than it. It, even though it's like giant spider space clown with the open up his face and, and dead lights are inside <laughs> and all this stuff and yeah. can turn into anything. That's much less scary than, you know, creepy old lady dancing with you uh, yeah, naked. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that terrified me when I was a kid. Well, him walking into that room terrified me when I saw it in when, they, uh, grade They eight. hit the yeah. old lady beat so many times. And, and it's to the point where you're just like, eh. You know, but, the, but it's just like, like it's just the next door neighbor at this point. The, the <laughs> naked old lady lives next door. He's yeah, like looking yeah. over the fence like Wilson just going, hey, neighbor. I'm like, hey, hey, naked old lady, what's going on? Bit chilly. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah. Being a naked old lady and such. Want to dance? Nope. Nope. Do not want to dance. But thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you read one, another one of my favorite Stephen King books is uh, Firestarter. And that's okay. o- that's only interesting as a, as a isolated story about a girl with psychic powers where she can like, ca- you know, or tele- telepathic powers where she can start fires, mm-hmm. you know, and, and her dad is, has uh, psychic abilities as well to a degree and, but at great expense to him to, to use them, you know, and, Oops, and yeah, but, but if they're in a world where everyone else has, or there's a bunch of other people with psychic powers, well, who cares if the government's chasing this little girl? Like, cause someone else with psychic powers is out there. They could come and save her or whatever, you know, exactly. Like, it's not just on her and her dad to get out of this horrible situation. It's just on, it's, it's on, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, you know, it's just a different thing, right? Like then it becomes more like a superhero thing, which is not what horror should be. Like horror isn't superhero. Superhero, like by the, it has a different yeah. function for me. From a, the storytelling is a different, works differently. You know. Yeah, my nerdy self, you know, just went well. If you're gonna, I mean, again, you've got all these dark tower things and and things like Doctor Sleep that kind of connect things together. Yeah. And you go like, 
Well, no, if you're going to do that, and this is getting my nervy self, well, you get all the characters like that are basically your X-Men of the Stephen King world, and you bring them all together. And you got Carrie, she's yeah. got your telekinetic powers, you got the person <laughs> who's got fire powers, yeah. you got the psychic kid from The Shining, you got that guy, yeah. and you just go through it. Yeah. And, you know, they I don't know how, how Cujo would be in there, the, <laughs> be the Scooby-Doo, I guess, of the mystery-solving thing after they cure his rabies. Yeah, please um, do. They drive around in Christine. Yeah, they drive around Christine, who they've uh, who they've made nice. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. And they solve mysteries, and it's like uh, the uh, King and Company, they call it or something. Well, Christine isn't then, isn't nice. She's kind of like what is that character, Black Alice or whatever, where you know they're unpredictable. Like they could they're good, but they could also like go go off the. Deep okay, end. well, I like that. That then raises the stakes. How about like <laughs> uh, Maximum Overdrive? Is that truck alive or is it just a? Yes, they uh, are alive. So the truck's alive too. Mm-hmm. All, all machines, okay. all machines are alive. Like in the story, okay, like people get killed by the lawnmowers, people get killed by their power tools. I mean, I just saw the clip from the movie where they get killed by Pepsi cans shoot out <laughs> of the know. thing. Okay, seems kind of silly, but okay. No, it's it's beyond silly because here's the problem. Yeah, it's like yeah, I get the machines are alive. Yeah. All right, I'll give you that much. That's fine. Yeah. But then the machines should be able to do what machines could do. So like, if you've got a robot at a car factory that can build things and it's got arms, those arms can tear you apart. Yeah. I'm with you on that. But like, there shouldn't be a thing where a Coke machine can shoot a Coke can like a bullet at you because Coke machines can't do that. It didn't just wire itself up again. Yeah. Like, in, in, uh, so it's got spring loaded or air pumps or something. That doesn't make any sense, even in your crazy supernatural world. <laughs> Unless now the, the, the Coke machine, I'm sorry, I said Pepsi earlier, I don't know which one it was, uh, is now telekinetic. In which case, we're in a whole other situation. <laughs> I, where the yeah, machines I, have become psychic. The machine—I don't think the machines are psychic. I think they—they're—they become—they—they uh, they have consciousness and and will, free will. Okay, so they kill everybody, and that's where the Cars movies begin. Is this what I'm getting? <laughs> there you go. That's right. They, Connected like all, to Pixar. All Pixar movies yeah. are a Stephen King movie. After the horror has happened, <laughs> so like it would be a Stephen oh, King. Oh, I think those Cars movies still have their fresh air of horror. Sure, sure, but like the, after the main horror movie has stopped, this is the repercussion. So like, yeah. say like somewhere in the neighbor. Okay, here's the thing. Like in Toys uh, or Toy Story, uh, the dad uh, did something awful. Oh, he did something awful. You don't even know what the dad did. It was so awful. <laughs> but these toys had to come to life and kill him. But when the toys came to life and killed him, and now he's dead, um, then they, they're still uh, sentient. I'm like, what are they going to do? I don't know. Let's play with the kid. Fine. And that's where Toy Story starts. And we're great. We're in a world where toys are, can come to life. But their real purpose was to murder dad. They're, you're just like following up on like, you know, what happens later on. Huh. And like Wall-E for sure is a horror movie. You know, <laughs> you just come at a sweet moment. But what you haven't seen are the horrors leading up to this world that's completely abandoned. You don't know the people fighting for food yeah, uh, yeah. against, you know, you think Wally was the first robot? You think the first robots weren't those killer robots that we've seen from Black Mirror? You sure as hell were. <laughs> you know, we just uh, got to the point where there's nothing to kill left. And so these kill bots, you know, just keep designing themselves to be, you know, efficient in their environment. And it's like, might as well clean up litter. Yeah, you might as well, because there's nothing to murder anymore. So, but he's a murder bot for sure. And then they go with that. And every one of these movies, yep, it's uh, it's all horror movies. Uh, <laughs> but, and, and we just we just joined them a little later on. Sure. Yeah, like the like uh, your Incredibles, 
well, that clearly is some weird government experiments on some people. Yeah. And some of them turned into heroes and we don't want to see what happened to the rest of them. No. But we're just going to focus on the ones that got superpowers <laughs> and it all worked out. Yeah. For. Yeah. 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 There was some uh, uh, Tuscany airmen bullshit going on with Frozone. Something horrible happened there. I don't know how he got freezing powers, but it was not pleasant. <laughs> and it's a real dramatic film with Samuel L. Jackson starring in it. And then, you know, it just leads to that. Sure. And he gets married. He's happy. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Incredible also has a terrible story, I think. Okay, what's hers? Well, I just mean the idea that one day you discover that your body is melting mm-hmm. and you don't know why. That would be a nightmare. Yeah, that's basically the TV show Doom Patrol. Uh, the character the character in that, who's a movie star... Yeah, she gets powers, and she she is like a blob for the most part, unless she really concentrates and holds herself together. Okay, yeah, Ugh. pretty uh, pretty gruesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they they play it for uh, they play it for you know for laughs for fun yeah. for laugh. Well, I guess you know, Incredibles. There's some pathos too. There's pathos, I suppose. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, speaking, of I just wanted, of the rings. Uh, oh no, I just oh sorry. I was just going to say, why do you think that Stephen King's stories often don't translate well to the screen? Like I, I saw think, I saw I saw it too or it's second mm-hmm. eight, chapter two or whatever. And I, I enjoyed the first chapter. I thought it was actually quite well done, but I, th- I thought they really dropped the ball in the second part. Like, Ooh, boy, did they ever drop the ball so badly? Why did they drop the ball? What do you think they did wrong? I f- showed, showed too much. Partly that partly there was no, con- there was nothing. There's no connection. Like in the, in the child, in the, for the children, there's a sense, there's a sense of dread, a sense of risk, a sense of, of menace that they're they're at that they're that they're you know that they, at any time they could be killed mm-hmm. by this clown creature but with when the adult when they come as adults you don't feel the same sense of risk and partly i think you don't feel like a connection between what they're experiencing like like there's no like there's no scene where where you get a sense that they're i don't know at risk or whatever that there's like some sort of stakes you know, there's a scene where, there's a scene where, um, uh, what's his name, uh, the actor who, um, James, uh, darn it all, the guy who plays, um, <laughs> Professor Professor X in the X Men. What's his name? That actor. Who who is that? The actor who plays uh, Professor X in the the young the young yeah one? the young version. James McAvoy. Ja- James McAvoy. Yes, he's he's in the second chapter of it, and there's a scene with him where he's like confronting the creature in the in the 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 sewer but it's not it's not scary like because there's no there's no connection between them like like in the other movie there's a scene where he's confronted by his brother who he you know is kind of screwed over by sending outside by himself to play because he didn't feel like going out and playing and so he's 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 got this all his you know guilt about it and then he like you know then he he sees his brother there and his brother is is like you know that kind of like whatever ghost monstrous thing you know and it's it's scary because you feel you feel what the what the character's feeling in the situation, but James McAvoy confronting uh, the clown. I don't know. I can't remember his name. What's something a penny? Penny Pennywise. Pennywise. <laughs> when he's conf- confronting him, you you don't feel like you don't feel like there's any scariness there. Like there's no there's no risk. There's the, like one's sitting in a sewer and one's standing outside with his bike. And there's you know, and then he does reach in there and there's like. And he's like grabbed by a bunch of CGI arms, and that's the other thing. Like the CGI, the constant like, like um, there is a good scene with with um the young with the girl who in 
uh, played by uh, Jessica Chastain in the the new ver- in the, the grown up version. She goes to her old apartment where she grew up, which was like this where she lived with her dad, who was abusive, and and so you know, and so she she goes there, and it's kind of bad memories, but she goes there anyway. And there's an old lady who's living there now, and and the scene builds, and it's kind of and it's kind of and it's kind of uh, well well structured, and it's, it's it was the trailer piece. that was the trailer they used. Yes, there you go, and that so they blew the best scene in the movie for the trailer, and then yeah, then she looks at like the pictures, and she realizes, oh, this woman's father was Pennywise. Like she can see him in you know, it's he's not dressed as Pennywise. You can see his face, and you know, but she realizes, oh, that he looks like Pennywise. Like this is, and then. How do they pay it off? They have her like come out as like this giant naked, scary old woman, you know, just like blah comes racing out. Well, then it's just ridiculous looking, and you're just like, oh well, nah, it's not but scary. You like the naked woman in uh, Shining Day? It's, Isn't it just as scary? It's not as scary, no, because the it's not scary. Cause the scary thing about the naked woman in the Shining is that she was a beautiful woman who Jack Nicholson is embracing, and and then when he like looks in the mirror, he he sees this, you know. Dis, you know, decomposing corpse that he's that he's holding, and then he looks at this old woman, and then he's like, "It's horrifying, of course, you know, because what was once beautiful is now ugly, and so you're, you know, so you have that visceral reaction to it, you know." Yeah, I don't know that movie. Just it's you're so disconnected from everything that happens in it. There's like not a single moment in that film where you feel any connection to any of the characters. That you feel that what they're going through relates to their characters. It's a really strange dropped ball. Yeah, it's. Uh, I watched, but I felt uh, the same again. way about the book. Good. I felt the yeah, same way about the book. Do you see the TV version as well? I did see um, much of the TV version. I did not watch it to the very end. Yeah, the first half is good in the TV version, and then again, it drops the ball in the second half. You know, Rich, I, I, Richard Thomas's ponytail was so disturbing to me. I could not. I just <laughs> could make it through all the way. Going, going with what you're saying about why Stephen King books don't translate well. Yeah. I think one is he writes books. Like yeah. he doesn't write movies. That's right. He doesn't write for the movie. He yeah. writes for the book. Yep. And so and so he does things for a book that wouldn't work in a movie, mm-hmm. uh, which are to draw you into the uh, the atmosphere. Yeah. And 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 there's tricks that he does, I believe. And again, I, I've read a couple of his books. Yeah. But like where you really feel you're there. Yeah. And he's leading you yeah. along, and you can't get that with a movie because the movie is presenting you, and mm-hmm. you're not. Like in the book, you're the protagonist. You are the person who is like seeing all this happen. Sure. You're in their body. Sure. And you can't have that in the movie. He really likes to have like a, a running monologue of the character where those characters where they're thinking all the time. Sure. Yeah. And that's you know that kind of draws you into who they are. And uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, but you're you're seeing it from their perspective. Like mm-hmm. you're you know through their eyes, and you can't get that. You're distanced. Yeah. You know, uh, and so and so that doesn't uh, that doesn't really really work. Also, I think. What he does in the books, it's and I was I was looking up the movie Hitch because they talk about this in the movie Hitch, the um, uh, Will Smith, oh, okay. Kevin James movie. Oh, really? I've and never seen that. About, uh, yeah, well, they talk about you know the the ninety ten kiss, which is uh, if you're going to because he's a relationship expert and he, he says okay. to Kevin James, "All right, show me you going in for a kiss," and Kevin James just like ah goes in like, "Well, okay, here's your problem. You got to go in ninety percent." And then you got to let her do the last ten percent. Okay, and it's like you can't just go full in. Yeah. So, but like Stephen King, he'll lead you ninety percent into the horrific situation. Yeah. But he'll leave enough room for your brain 
to to picture the elements, you know, yourself. So like, and then he saw the most horrible thing he could ever see. Oh, I'm imagining the most horrible thing I could ever see. That's horrible. And it's like, <laughs> but you're doing it. Like yeah. he's give, he's made, making you do the horror. Yeah. He's making you bring your perspective into it. Whereas in a movie, uh, it's just, ah, no, look at it. Okay. Does that work <laughs> for you? A little bit. Yeah. But it's not. I'm bringing nothing to it, so it's less scary. I'm distanced from it. Yeah. I'm, I, you're, I'm, you're not letting me go the next ten percent. You know, and and really good horror movies let you. What was that? I don't know. And now you're thinking like sixty-five different things it could be. Yeah. Like what is that? Yeah. What is that? Oh geez. Oh oh no no no! Don't do that. And that's why you yell, "Don't go in there!" Because I'm going with you. I don't care if you do it, but you're bringing me, and I don't need to be in this room. Don't go in the attic. We're go. I don't want to go. Yeah. Ah. Okay, you went in the attic, you fool. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that you know the most successful films made from his from his books are the least horrific ones. You know, Shawshank Redemption, Stand, Stand by Me, Stand by Me for the from the body. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was also thinking of. Uh, uh, oh shoot! I can't remember what it was now that I was thinking. Yeah, sorry, I can't remember. I mean, I mean misery is horror, but oh, misery, yeah, misery. Misery isn't really a horror book, though. I mean, it's a s- suspense novel, I guess. But uh, the book is much more horrible than the movie. Like the book has way more like graphic death and stuff like that, which I, I didn't read it all, but I read a little bit of it because my brother was going through his Stephen King phrase when Misery came out as a movie, and so Misery was at our house, and I was looking at it because I liked the movie. And I was like, well, maybe I should give Stephen King another chance because. You know, after Pet Cemetery, I kicked him to the curb and said, screw you, Stephen King, I'm done. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe I'll give him another chance because Misery was really good. So, And I was reading it and I was like, ugh, this is awful. Like, why why do we need to have a person run over by a lawnmower? This is, ugh, get away from me. <laughs> like, you got to, like, maybe that works in a book, but, but I don't think it does nec- really. But, like, definitely what makes Misery so good is that it's so understated, you know, and it really kind of turns you know, Stephen King on, on its head. Like, it's weird. Like, you know, I do really like, like, Brian De Palma's Carrie, I think is a very successful version of a okay. Stephen King book. But I, I, it's been a while since I read Carrie. And I wonder if the best books are the ones that know where to make the make the changes to the stories, you know, not well, slavishly here, copy. I've got a I've got a ranking here right now of the okay. 10 best Stephen King movies. And okay. you tell me if you agree. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to put number 11 on there, too, because I like it. Uh, okay. Running Man. <laughs> Is that number eleven? Number eleven is Running Man. Yeah, I have not. I thought that was all right. I, I have not seen. Uh, oh, maybe I have seen that movie. I don't think I've seen all of it, but I did watch some of it. It really set a tone. Like it yeah. was. Oh, that's that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And there's been other kind of movies like that, but that was the yeah. first one to me that was like. I mean, there's obviously there's like Death Race. There's things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that really. But that was the first <clears> one you saw of that kind of thing. And yeah, that's really not a Richard horror. Richard Dawson. That's not really a horror book either, right? It's more of a dystopian. Yeah. Kind of thing. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll... Uh, n- number 10 is uh, Gerald's Game, which I have not seen. I have not seen that movie. So there's going to be someone here that I have not seen because, you know. Okay. Uh, number nine, The Mist. <laughs> I hate that movie. Good Good until the end. Yeah. It's a very well-done film until the end. You're right. You're right. But it's one of those which movies. Is where they change the, which is where they changed the book. Now, the story is different. Yeah. That Frank Darabont. Yeah. he He should. Anyway. Yeah, but Stephen King liked it, but you know, then Did Stephen King didn't yeah. like. Yeah, he really he loved the ending. Like he thought that, oh, you fixed my ending. Oh, I'm like, okay. I'd be curious to know how it ends in his version. Huh. Uh, I'll better. look it up one day. <laughs> uh, number number eight was what we were just talking about. Uh, it. Which one? First one. 
But the 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 modern one or the the old one? Yeah, the modern one. The modern yeah. new first one. No, no, yeah. I think I think they you know they knew to not have the not have the sewer orgy, so they definitely knew when to change the, huh. <laughs> change the book. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh boy! No, All that's... I want to see you do a sewer orgy mm-hmm. is you just do a slow pan, slow slow pan, yeah. and you look up and you see it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they're all watching and they're all just horrified, yeah. And they're just like, "Should we do something, dude? No way, man! Let's just get out of here." <laughs> they slowly back away, yeah. And like, like, I think that one thing they should have done in it, the first chapter, is when the the bully boy is getting like more and more crazy and is bullying and like in the in the movie i can't remember the book but in the movie it's implied that <laughs> it's implied that he's under the control of pennywise to a degree right pennywise is influencing him and that's why it's getting more and more out of control and okay. i think it would have been better if he started to look like pennywise ah. not not like a clown but just started having like the features of of the actor who plays plays him so because you can kind of do that with cgi right kind of subtly sure 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 yeah. subtly okay. like kind of change the features of the actor and i just think it w- would have kind of given you a hint of why he was going the way he was going more than the, it's spelled out in the film like you really kind of have to like just sort of assume that's what they were doing right because it is it's so it's so over the top his you know what he's doing by the end where it's just like you know ready to kill people you know and not just it's not then it's not just about like the power tripping it's just about like you know like craziness and 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 yeah, it would have been a kind of an interesting touch there, I think, if they had done that. It would, it would have kind of made that part of the film. It's you still good, me, but it would have made it like even more interesting, I think. Yeah, you may be thinking now, like, bullies in Stephen King uh, movies. Sure, if sure. They were, yeah. if, they were, if they were just a little bit worse, they could fit into a DC movie. <laughs> yes, you're right. Because they'd have to be willing to see a kid on crutches yeah. who is disabled yeah. and, and hit him with a car. <laughs> then pick up his crutches yes. and start beating him with his own crutches yeah, yeah. in front of an entire school sure, of kids sure. who are so terrified of these bullies yeah. that they're not going to do thing one. Yeah. So just think of the reign of terror. I, mean, that I know, it, it, but just think of that. Like they just, they just ran over a kid with a car, like in front of a school, like these yeah. kids like have no brakes. So of course those kids are like, well, these guys are they'll stop at nothing. Like I, I can't get involved in this. Yeah, they're not gonna they'll do cut that. my arm By the off. Way, how did he get disabled? Probably this. <laughs> That's right. He, More than likely. He he didn't get pushed into two lock or to one locker, he got pushed into two lockers at the same time. Ugh. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is by the way, this is a problem too. I'm watching a little bit of uh the new Star Girl. Um Okay. On CW, and uh, it's not working, and it's too bad. Um, <laughs> but again, they got bullies there, and everyone is just like, is, you know. Is Stargirl from uh, Teen Titans? Is that Stargirl? No, Stargirl uh, is a DC character. It's a fairly modern character. She oh, was okay. kind of the female version of Starman uh, when huh? Starman kind of went away. But not Starboy. Uh, Star Spangled Kid. Yeah. Uh, is actually, yeah, he was called Star Spangled Kid as well for a while. And then he became Starman in this in this world. And then he's played by Joel McHale, who's since passed away in this reality I uh, see. for a few years. And she thinks that he's her father and she gets the staff and da, da, da. But like all the kids are like, you know, uh, you know, this is the ner- this is the losers table at school. We all are losers oh, here. Yeah. And the bullies are bullies. And you're just like, what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we, what are we doing? Still, yeah. what are you doing? Pull out the cliches. Yeah, the other you've got other 
CW series you could look at and see that this isn't what we do right anymore. You've seen Spider-Man Homecoming and the whatever the one afterwards was. You've seen it. You know how to do this now. We don't do this anymore. But far, they do. Far from home. So, yeah, far from home. It's fine. Anyway, uh, <laughs> number seven of uh, best Stephen King movies. Okay. Not one I would have picked, um, but uh, 1408. That was the John Cusack uh, movie taking okay. place in a cursed hotel uh, and with uh, Samuel L. Jackson as the uh, manager of the hotel. Ah. Just gets weirder and weirder and crazier okay. and crazier. Also known, anyway. as, also known as Burton Fink. Sure. A, you could have seen, uh, yeah, <laughs> you could see a John Goodman coming down the hall. Maybe uh, maybe even have the kid in the uh, big wheel just come by as well. Just, you know, why not? <laughs> why not? Number number six, uh, Stand by Me. It's a very good film, very good movie. Horror, but it's a very good, very good movie. And uh, there are, you know, for a film that's not a horror movie, there are some very scary scenes. Like Kiefer Sutherland is very, very intimidating and, and scary in that. Oh in yeah, that movie. But those are scary. Like, but those are scary, like childhood things that we react to viscerally because we we have faced the mean, gro- you know, mean older kid who apparently has no problem with seeing us injured in some way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's got no beef. Like when he pulls the gun on him, like when the the good kid pulls the gun on him, you're like, yeah, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, that's, you, got you got him to a degree, but you, you're you going to pay for this later. You realize that, right? You're not always going to have a gun in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, there are there are problems for sure. I'm, I'm not saying there aren't, uh, but what are you going to do? And, <laughs> and, and you got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Corey Feldman, you know, with his uh, abusive dad and everything. You're like, oh boy, that kid's going back home to that. And uh, it's rough. And then, and then, worse comes to worse. Uh, you're going to turn into Richard Dreyfus when you get older. Like, oh my God, that's no good. Well, you could turn. You, you could turn into Daniel Stern. You could. You know, it's happened before. Sure has. It's going to happen again. <laughs> uh, number five is uh, Misery. That's a good one. It is. James Caan is great in that movie. Go raid and Kathy Bates is uh, on point. Yeah, Whoa. I saw. I you saw. Dirty dog. Is that what she says? No, oh, dirty bird. You dirty bird. Dirty bird. That's it. So yes. good. So good. Oh. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's good. Scary. Good atmosphere. Good use of snow. Good use of being trapped. Uh, and yeah, just the, just him trying to escape. Yeah, you're just. Uh, it's one of those where like you are actually with him on that. <laughs> like you are. Yeah. You've now you're now with him going. Come on. Yeah. Come yeah. On. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Ah, he starts, geez. and it's great because he starts off as an asshole. Yep. And uh, yeah, then he meets a bigger asshole. That scene when she returns after he's killed off, I think he's killed off the character. He's done something anyway to the book yeah. series and she comes back and she's so mad. She's oh, got notes. That's great. She's got yeah, notes. You, it involves a block were, and a sledgehammer. If you were doing this in modern day, this is basically what it would be. It would be her like uh, reading that and just being so mad. And then going online and posting something mean about it, and then she feels okay, and that's the end of it. Oh, so you're you're okay with troll culture online? Okay, I am if it uh, stops uh, authors from being like you know uh, hobbled. Yeah. Well, if he hadn't been driving so ridiculously bad, he would have been fine. That's true. He cr- I mean, and he crashed the, the Mustang, which is even worse. Like you don't want someone who doesn't like your coloring on Sparks to go, "Come here, Dave. What? I got some notes. Whack in the ankle." <laughs> You know, it's well, uh, it, there's must be of, of all the people who have read our book. Yeah, there must be at least I don't know zero point one one percent. Yeah, uh, of them want to hobble us. <laughs> I mean, that's just the hobbling minority. You know, I mean, that's just going to be in there. Yeah, and the problem with the way, the way I think, I, I'm just thinking. Well, you know, I deserve it. Sure, they're right. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, good and good job, Kathy Bates, on that. Oh, uh, because, that's great. Because that James Caan yeah. can be a bit of a ham. So if you've got to like, you know, face off against J- James Caan and hold yeah. your own. Yeah. Yeah, it's when the, I remember watching this interview with William H. Macy, and I don't agree with him about this, but he said, like, acting with it, two actors acting, it's a battle of the wills. And you've got to stare down the other actor, and you have to beat them. You have to win. And, uh, but I feel like, you know, sometimes you got to take that attitude, and, you know, there's some actors that you do have to beat them. You do have to win. I think James Conn would be one of those actors. Well, and you get into the old thing about care, but don't mind. It's like you want to win, but yeah. then if you don't win, you don't mind. You yeah. got to like just, you yeah. just don't care about at the end That's of it. Uh, but yeah, get get that fight in there. Um, <laughs> number four uh-huh. is uh, the Shawshank Redemption, which I actually haven't seen. Never wow, seen I'm ever. surprised. Yeah, I went and saw yeah. it in the theater because I was a, a huge fan of the story, which is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Ah. Because a Rita Hayworth poster is very important in that. Oh, I do know that. I know every scene from it because I've lived <laughs> life. Yeah, you osmosis. You somehow like we're we're like little like those little worms. We just somehow take it in without even knowing that we're we know. Yeah, we know. Again, but we don't know how seen, we know. I've never seen Godfather two, but would you like me to recreate it for you right now? I'll do it. Let's go. <laughs> no, I think and we should, I think you should see it because it's a very good film. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I love that movie. I think it's very good. I think it's very good. I've only seen it once. Just want to point that out. So, you know, my memory of it is what it is. But I've read the story a couple of times. Uh, that's one of my, that's one of the Stephen King books from my youth that I saved that I didn't I didn't uh, you know put into the uh, I didn't send them off to the to the you know whatever thrift store or to the used bookstore, which I did at one point. I got rid of almost all of my Stephen King books except for a few, mm. and that was one book, Different Seasons, with uh, the it had the body AA. AKA Stand By Me in it, right. as well as Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. And I think one more one more story out of there was made into a, a film, but I don't oh. know which one. But you read read the next one, and I'm going to look that up while you're talking. Okay. Uh, the next one is from 1980, and it's The Shining, which we have uh, already talked about. You know, I, pre- uh, I appreciate it much more now. When I saw it as a grade 8 kid who had just read The Shining, I was not, I was not a fan of that uh, I guess I, I heard – okay, I read it first uh, because I had a, a girlfriend who was like, you got to read this. And I'm like, yes, I will. Because <laughs> – and I don't mean that as in it that way, but as in I wanted to have sex. And so, you know, I was like, well, <laughs> this is worthwhile. This is the cause. And this, this may lead to sex. Sure. And so I'll read the I'll read this and I'll read uh, Ender's Game and I'll read uh, – uh, what's it? Uh, Adrian Mole. I'll read. I'll read all these books you're gonna like uh, give me. Yeah, yeah. that'd be fine. Yeah. Um. And and yeah. But but I'd heard that the Shining movie was like very scary. Like I heard it was like oh boy, oh boy. I heard that one and The Exorcist are the two that'll mess you up. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I eventually did end up seeing it, and it was like okay, that is scary, but it's not. It didn't hit my uh, my buttons really. Yeah. I mean the. <sighs> I have I have tried. Tr- you know, like there's movies that are scary, but but they don't really work in a TV context because it's small and it's not immersive. You know, you're not trapped with the movie in in a small room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas when I saw The Shining, I was you know I was in grade eight, so I was whatever age, and then I was in a theater watching. You know, it was a big screen. I I couldn't run away. I had to sit there and take it like a man. By the way, the the other <laughs> the other story. That, uh, and by the way, if you ever do take something like a man, it means complain about it as much as possible. Oh, that's basically taking. Thank like you. A man. I didn't realize that's what it meant. Oh, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other movie was Apt Pupil, 
the other story. Oh, okay. Was that people, yeah. which I've never seen myself. So. Who's the Who's the director of that one? Is that the X Men oh, guy? Oh, that's the, the 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 man who's on the outs with Hollywood right now because he is sure. a horrible person, Brian Singer. Yeah. And one of the people that was involved in making that movie is one of the people who've brought charges against him. Oh, okay. Well, good on the person who brought charges against him. Yep. Nice. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. All right. What's number? That was number three. That was number yep. three. I thought it'd be number one actually. But interesting. No. I'm curious. Uh, number number one's a bit of a surprise, but I don't disagree with it. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, so, what would you think number two would be then? Well, I, I feel like the dead zone has to be in here somewhere. So, I'm going to guess dead zone for number two. Well, you'd be uh, guessing the number one with dead zone. Oh, okay. Number two. That is number two is uh, Carrie. Oh, I should have thought, thought, thought. I was thinking. Which is very visceral. I mean, it's. Not, I love Carrie so much. You know, it's it's it, 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 it the atmosphere is yeah, uh, yeah. so it's so intense. We watched it recently. At a friend's house, and uh, there was uh, with teenage girls. Yeah, who was, and that was an interesting experience. Sure, um, especially with the first scene where they're all in the shower throwing mm. tampons. And I'm like, <laughs> hmm, interesting. Well, hmm. bullying, okay, yeah, bullying. this really, this really like recreates that uh, thing of like when we first had VHS tapes. And I think we, we've talked about this before, yeah. where you rent a movie with a family, your family, yeah. and then there's a sex scene, and everything's <laughs> really uncomfortable. And you can't fast forward because you can't mention it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what that was like. Uh, and it, it, it but, uh, but you know, they like they seem to like the the movie itself. It's accurate to the story, so mm-hmm. it's in the book. So I think. Uh... At least as I remember it anyway. To be honest with you, I read the book in grade eight a while ago now. Um, yeah, that movie is a very well-made film. I, I really think that uh, all of Brian De Palma's tricks of that time period, his split screen, yeah. uh, two different things happening at once, really works well in that in that movie where you've got like... Because what's so great about it is just the the, the anticipation of like uh, Karen... Karen Allen, is that her name? Not Karen Allen. Uh- no. no. Um, oh, I knew before. Sissy so, Spacek. Well, it's just not Sissy Spacek. No, the the bully girls. Like I know Amy Irving's one of the bullies. Right? Oh, is Karen Allen in it? Okay, I maybe think not. Karen Allen. No. So is Karen, Karen Allen? What? Karen. No, no. Is Karen Allen in uh, Indiana Jones? And, and uh, I believe so. Or yes. Raiders of the Lost Ark, I should say. Yes. Okay, that's not who I'm thinking of. It's a different Ellen then. She was also in RoboCop. She she's yeah, in Yeah, yeah, Nancy Allen. Nancy Allen. Yes, yes, she's From in RoboCop, She's yeah. in Brian De Palma's best movie, which is of course everyone knows that movie, right? The best <laughs> Blowout? one. Blowout? Blowout, yes, is the best one. Okay. For sure. But um even though it has a 70s ending, but uh She's it's so great with her, you know, like the mean girls and they're all like so happy, so pleased with their little prank they're going to play. Yeah. And it's going to be so great. And then when it goes so horribly wrong and then it goes even horribly wronger and just, oh, it's so good. And, you know, it's all there for you to watch on the screen. There's no need to cut between stuff. No, no. Brian De Palma just has it all there for you. You can see them. You can see the rope going up. Meanwhile, you know, Carrie's celebrating and getting applauded and she can't believe it's how great it is and all this stuff's going on for you to see at this exact same moment it's so well done there and then piper laurie as her mom is fantastic and that and you no know, the scariest part of the movie is the final scene when she returns home from from the from the from the prom and she you know she has a bath and washes herself off because you know the mum's there somewhere and her she's as crazy <laughs> as a as a whatever she's as crazy as that thing is that i can't think of an analogy for and so it's just like this creeping dread the whole time. When she finally like comes running in, you're just like, ah, and then her death is so fantastic, you know? And then 
that final little the little uh, final scene with Amy Irving uh, visiting the the you know the sort of final resting place of of Carrie's house is is a great kind of capper to the film. It's a really well well made movie for sure. And but, you heard you oh, sorry. heard sorry. Let me just say real fast. You yeah. heard about Stephen King sneaking in and watching a preview of that movie, right? No, no. He snuck in and watched a preview of that movie. Okay. And so he was sitting in the back row. Yeah. And then that scene happened, and the audience screamed, and someone in the audience went, "That girl ain't never gonna be right." <laughs> and he went. This is, this is good. This is going to work. <laughs> this is good. This is good. <laughs> yeah. That's like, good. The audience loved it. I loved we, it. I think we have mentioned that before because that always makes me kind of laugh because I've only heard people yell at a screen like that or talk like that in a movie in the States. That's not something you ever hear in Canada. Yeah. Like we, we are very, for the most part, we're very respectful. If people are talking in the movie theater, it's not because they're excited about what's happening in the screen. It's just they're talking to a friend about something totally unre- unrelated to what's happening in the theater, and it's just frustrating and horrible. Whereas that's great, because that happened when we, we saw uh, Frozen in Seattle, mm-hmm. and there was at some point in the movie where someone yelled to me like, you go, girl, or something like that at the screen, and I was just like, this is fantastic. I love it. That's great. Well, in Canada, you, you can yell at the screen, yeah. but then you have to yell the same thing in French immediately afterwards. <laughs> that's the problem. Can, yeah, yeah. There's a five hundred dollar fine, that's so it's just problem. not worth it. It really frankly. does. It really does. Yeah. Let's just say. Like, I didn't realize. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize Edie McClurg was uh, was was in that movie as well. She's uh, she's in, one of the girls. And Carrie. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like it's a it's a great cast. It's it's a great cast. Yeah. Yeah, William Cat, John Travolta. Mm-hmm. Jeez, mm-hmm. It's uh, pretty. Yeah, it's pretty loaded. Yeah, yeah. Good job, cast. Well done. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Good job. Okay. Uh, final one, Dead Zone. Then the David Cronenberg directed, Christopher Walken starring. Fantastic movie. Once again, make some changes to this to the original book, which I do love. I love uh, Dead Zone. It's one of, once again another book that I kept because I liked it so much. I kept that Firestarter and different seasons, and then later on bought rebought Night Shift because I realized that was dumb to give it away, but. Um, <laughs> Because it has the boogeyman in it, which is such a scary story. Okay. Uh, and also, um, one of my favorites is uh, Jerusalem's Lot, not Salem's Lot. The vampire movie Jerusalem's Lot is like a, is like a, uh, kind of a, a H.P. Lovecraftian sort of story. Okay. And then Graveyard Shift, the one with all the rats. That's they made that into a movie, which isn't very good, but the story is fantastic. But anyway, um, yeah. So the David Cronenberg one, they make the changes the right way. You know, they really introduce a fun concept with the with I, I can't really remember the book now very well because it's been a while since I read it. So the movie's more f- is a little fresher in my mind because I watched it a little while ago, and I was glad because it had like you know Da Vinci from Da Vinci's Inquest was was in the movie, and I was like, oh yeah, this oh, movie yeah, was yeah, made yeah, in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Canadian movie. That's right. I forgot. Where, what... Was it shot in Toronto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's David Cronenberg, you know. Yeah. Toronto can be anything. And uh, and Christopher Walken just is all face in it, just oh, like just so good, 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 good face. Yeah, ah. Amy Irving's in it, I think. No, no I mean, sorry, sorry, not Amy Irving. Um, damn it! Now that I said that, I can't remember the actress's name. Who? <laughs> shoot. Anyway, yeah, it's a. Is Richard well, Farnsworth? Look it up. Is Richard Farnsworth in it? Or am I just remembering things weirdly? Well, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I'm oh, gonna okay. tell you exactly who's okay. in it. Okay. Who's in it? You're 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 right. So who are you saying? Tom Skerritt's in it, of course. Tom Skerritt, yeah, he's very good. Uh, Nicholas Campbell, you were just saying. Yeah, Tom Skerritt's uh, the sheriff who 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 hires him to come and find this murderer. Who's killing uh, young women in in in, in the neighborhood? And uh, yeah, Nicholas Campbell is uh, great in that sequence as well. It's fantastic stuff there. Yeah, we got uh, Brooke Adams. Brooke Adams, that's yeah, that's his girlfriend. Yeah, uh, Herbert Lom, uh, Colleen uh, Dewurst. Well, maybe that's who I was thinking of. Uh, could could be. I was getting. Yeah, she's I was, got. I was getting Miranda mixed up with um, 
whatever the name of the brother is in that uh, story. She's also, yeah, she's also in uh, the new Anna Green Gables series. That's right. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I was going like, I've seen her face before. That's right. <laughs> that's a very Canadian face. Is so, she, yeah, that's. Think, is she Canadian? I don't know. I would assume so. Let's take a look. <laughs> uh, well, she's a Canadian American actress. She okay. was born in Montreal, ah. uh, as all good people are. Yes. So, this all worked out great. Yeah. Good. Born in the same, uh, born in the same town I was. That's all good. So uh, that's uh, that's the top ten. Let me just run. I'll just quickly go through the uh, the the bottom eleven. Uh, we've already said uh, Running Man. Yeah. Then we go into Christine. Then we go into Dolores Christine's, Claiborne. Christine's a good movie. Yeah. Green Mile, Pet Cemetery, Night Flyer, Creep Show, Children of the Corn, Secret <laughs> Window, and number twenty, Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, a bit of a. So Cujo yeah. doesn't even make the cut. It's not a good movie. It's not a good book either. It's part of it's part of what turned me off uh, Stephen King. And I got the hardcover of that as part of, as a book club book. Ugh. I used to watch I used to watch the Dead Zone TV show. I didn't mind it. No, it's fine. So there, it's that's fine. all I'm saying. I'm just mentioning that I didn't mind it. It's a it. good I mean the the movie is much deeper, but it's a good conceit, the idea that he touches someone and he can see the future. And of course in the in the in the movie or in the book, it's costing him to do this, right? So he's slowly killing himself. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, people keep asking him to do it. So so even though he doesn't want to, in the case of like the, the murder of, of young women, of course, he feels sort of compelled to, to help. And then he ends up with the uh, uh, Martin Sheen character, you know, yeah. as a sort of a, a sort of a Trump before Trump. No, I wouldn't, wouldn't say that, but... Uh, yeah, some people have mentioned that. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. All right. So in Dead Zone, yeah. Uh, uh, now, uh, Walken was not the first choice. Uh, oh, is that right? Stephen King's first choice. Well, Stephen, really going Stephen to King doesn't get doesn't get a say in these but things. He was. He was they, this was who they were going for first and couldn't okay. get. Okay. Uh, let me see if you can guess this. He was a uh, he was a comedic actor predominantly. Oh, okay. Okay. But wanted to be getting into drama. I see. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so there we. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you that as your starting starting point. But most famous for uh, most famous for comedies. Okay. This so... is like 1983. So he had oh. a huge hit comedy right about now. Probably his biggest comedy right about now that launched uh, a little bit of a uh, had a sequel, had a remake, um, very popular. Steve Martin. It was Bill Murray. Bill Murray, and he didn't want yeah. to. Yeah, they want Bill Murray as the uh, as the role. So yeah. Bill Murray's doing Ghostbusters like right now. I'm glad. I'm glad he didn't do it. I think Christopher Walken was a better choice. And the, I think the best version of and that's nothing against Bill Murray, who I like a lot. No, no. And I think the best version of Christopher Walken doing this character, yeah. which is Johnny Smith, yeah. was uh, him on Saturday Night Live. Okay, I never uh, saw did that. You see, did you see this sketch? No, no, you no, no, no. Okay, so this sketch is. You know, it's, uh, introduces you know Johnny Smith uh, to people. Yeah. He shakes their hand and he does the, uh, the yeah. pause, yeah. and then he'll uh, go into like you know you're going to go have an. I'm not going to do an impression of Christopher Walken, okay. but like uh, <laughs> you're going to go you're going to go outside and you're going to get an ice cream cone. Yeah, and you're going to eat it too fast. You're going to get an ice cream headache <laughs> right here. And he just it would. I have seen that. Minutia, I have seen that sketch. Okay. Little minutia of <laughs> those silly I have seen that, that sketch because Christopher Walken used to be my favorite. One of my favorite Saturday Night Live. Uh, I guess he's always so great. He would go home and do the Continental. Is that what it was called? Where he played yep. that kind of Fine European on, yeah. uh, European playboy. Yes, that's a very yeah. very good character. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that is that is a good one. 
Yes. All right. So well, I was those top ten. Ahead. Top ten. Pretty the top ten. Pretty pretty good. I haven't seen all the movies, so I don't want to say all of them are good. But there's some good movies in there. However, the second half, it's the pickings get slimmer, and I do think Christine should be higher. Myself. Okay. I was trying to look up. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The new the new version. Uh, uh, that's going to be for for television. Oh, the Amazon Prime one, yeah. Yeah, the the most expensive thing that's ever been done <laughs> ever, including building like you know the Golden Gate Bridge. I think. Um, Which, by the so, way, is gone now because it melted in the core. Oh no! I mean, the movie The Core it melts, so yeah, it's gone, long gone. Sorry to tell you that. Too late to visit uh, it now. It goes. It goes in everything. It goes in absolutely <laughs> everything. There isn't a there isn't a movie around where is it America's you know, is it America's Big Ben. Oh, absolutely. Okay. To the point where I was listening, I was watching some comedy thing recently where I'm trying to remember what it was. And it was something that was, it was talking about how, you know, uh, these, I think it was like uh, Pacific Rim and it was the guy who does the pitch meeting thing. And they were, and they, I think they were talking about that and just went to, and they're going to be fighting around, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge. They're going to destroy it. Of course they are. It's because they do every time. You got to destroy the Golden Gate Bridge. Every screenwriter hates the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Destroy that damn thing. Destroy it. Uh, but yeah, it, is, it's it is like Big Ben and uh, and to a lesser extent the Eiffel Tower. Um, is that but, is uh, that the biggest failing of the movie The Rock? Is that they don't destroy the the the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge in that movie? Yes. Okay, that's right. Uh, there, and, I have bigger problems with it than that, but I think that is that is definitely a a problem with that movie. Disappointing. Yeah, sure. You, know, and, you can't, uh, you can't and, raise expectations like that and then disappoint. And also, uh, Sean Connery's toupee, which is always a problem. Wow. Well. There's yeah. hell. There's hell to pay. Well, there you go. Um, so <laughs> I was, I was, I was thinking that they were doing Lord of the Rings, like actually doing Lord of the Rings. I don't but, think so. I think it's like, nope. a, is it like original stories or something like that? Yeah, it's a prequel. You know, that's you know what that means horrible. Uh, so I guess they're yeah. drawing from like the Silmarillion, which, by the way, Peter Jackson already did for the the Hobbit trilogy. So great. I guess they'll be digging digging into the Silmarillion and unfinished tales, two books that you're. You tried to read as a young kid. You just couldn't do it. You tried. Let's see where Stephen Colbert. You got them both case. in hardcover, but you just couldn't read them. So it's going to be about the second age of Middle Earth, um, set during the time of the forging of the rings. Yeah. So, you know, if you like that forging rings time, nope. that's uh, that's what it's going to be. Not interested. Man, that is a lot of money to throw at an invisible wall. <laughs> like you, you take a, you take a property... Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And then you like you spend all this money right. on something that no one knows anything about. You right. know, like you're not like you're not you're not gonna have characters from the movies in it. This isn't about Bilbo or Frodo or any of maybe Legolas could be around or maybe the, the Hugo Weaving character, but who gives or a gumbo or who Harbo. gives a big who gives a big poop about those characters? No one does. No one wants to see Hugo Weaving's elf character. Man, that is that is weird, Matt. What a lot of money! Yeah, but you know who's got a lot of money? Amazon. I know Amazon has a lot of money, but like they got a lot of money. Make a second season of Upload, please. Well, I think they're going to. That's a good show, by the way. If you haven't seen it, I I agree. Uh, my friend uh, Liz is in that. So who's Liz? I, what is she? What is she in the show? She's the one who's trying to solve the mystery. She's the one with. The, oh, really? The oh, she's fantastic in it. Oh my god, yeah, she's Jen. Really, she's really, really good. His cousin uh, Jen. Yeah, cousin. Yeah, I think that's that sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Great. She she does a really nice job, and uh, I watched it twice because I watched it by myself, and then I was like, "Oh man, Lisa has to see this show." So then I rewatched it with her, and I enjoyed it as much the second time. 
Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. If you like if you like romantic comedies and sci-fi, you you'll, I'm sure you'll like the show. It's very good, everyone, and it's also funny. So yeah, it's, it's got it coming always. Fran, she's a uh, cousin Fran. That's oh, Fran, I'm sorry, Fran. Yes, Fran. that's all right. And then uh, William B. Davis from the X Files. Yes, is, uh, yeah, he's he's one of the Choke Brothers, AAA Coke Brothers. Yes, it's wink, a, get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there you I, are. I get the commentary. Yeah, yeah, that's good. you're you're seeing where we're going with this. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's an interesting show. It it holds your attention and mm-hmm. goes in different directions than you expected yeah to. yeah yeah and uh yeah there's a lot of good imagination yeah the, that, I, the sleepover the sleepover episode it just like so changes how you look view a character in it you're just like oh boy well done well done show yep so if you haven't no, seen I'm, Upload, pre- I'm pretty sure they'll have a second season yeah, again it's it's amazon it's like they got they got money they're fine it's gonna be there's gonna be a second season don't worry about it um you know I the, don't... the other th- good thing about it is the uh the lead actor Whose uh, name has now gone under my Robbie head. Armel. Robbie, yeah, Robbie Armel is finally who, playing, who? finally playing a character who's not in high school, and he's you know he's only in his thirties, and he's finally has graduated from high school. Good job, Robbie. He's very yeah, good. He's, everyone, he's I very good in the him. Duff, though. He's very good in the Duff. Is he? He's also in. Uh, he was in Legends of Tomorrow. He was Firestorm. Ah. He's one know. half of Firestorm, along with uh, Jesus, the actor who's Jesus. In, oh, Jim uh, Caviezel. No. Uh, oh. He was uh, he was uh, Jesus from Godspell. Oh, Victor Garber. That's correct. Yeah, Victor Garber was uh, prof- the professor, and uh, he was uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the professor's name. And he he was, I guess, Robbie Reed, I think. And yeah, they merge together and they make Firestorm. And then later on, he 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 leaves, and another person merges with the professor, and then the professor leaves, and every it's fine. Then the professor. <laughs> Comes a puppet, I think. There's a puppet there who he does a voice of every so often. All these, all the, these actors, who get tired of of the uh, the the, the uh, long hours for these shows. Well, the thing about I've that show enough. is it, that show really does rotate people in and out. Real oh, okay. Fast. Anyway, so I, yeah, yeah, it's just always That's like, and just keep them in, keep them going, keep it moving, keep it going, keep yeah. it moving, keep it going. It's fine. Yeah, it's funny because um, uh, the girls used to watch a show called Life with Derek, which was a, a show. It wasn't a Disney show, but it was on the Disney Channel. Um, and uh, Robbie Armel was Ar- Armel, yeah, Robbie Armel was on that as well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's fine. He played like a teenage friend of of Derek and uh, on the show. Yeah, he's very he's very very charming, and he's, he's a, uh, does a good job with yeah. Yeah. He was good getting his head blown off and uh, falling forward and uh, seeing his naked ass. It was like, yeah, there you go. Now I'm in. Whatever. This is a weird <laughs> show. I'll watch it. I'm in. Yeah. It was. Okay. It was not as publicized as uh, as Greg Daniels' other series that came out. Oh, uh, which is which is I didn't realize, but which is Space Force. Yeah, Space Force, which is not quite there, which is a shame because mm. boy howdy, it had a lot of eyeballs on it. But by the end of it, I'm like, I'm on board. I'll watch more of this. I, li- I like the characters. It's fine. But it was just like, ah, oh, you're starting off with everyone sniping at each other. And they're uh, all mad at each other. And like, ah, yeah. oh, who cares about this? Didn't you learn from the first season of uh, Parks and Rec? No one wants that. <laughs> no one wants that. Just have them working together yeah. towards a common goal yeah. and then have stuff happen. Yeah, and that's that's fun. fun. Yeah, I like watched, I watched the second season of Parks and Rec. I'd never seen the show before. I shouldn't say I watched the whole. I watched a few shows of the second season. It was very good, though. I really enjoyed what I watched. Yeah, and it gets much better too. It just gets deeper. Well, and... I don't know. I don't have all the time in the world, but yeah, I'm sure I'll believe. Okay. It. I mean, that's good. It's a good show to you can like sort of dip back into later on. Without... Well, one day when you retire, put it on. Put well, it that's on the, it. That's the what you should always do: is plan for when you retire, because that's when you you never just drop dead the day after that. Well, your best friend is everyone a... does. What's that? Sorry. 
No, your best friend is a cop, then yes, don't do that. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'll tell you, and I appreciate your friendship and I value you, but okay. I'm not going to avenge your death. <laughs> like if someone, if some like, you know, mob thing comes along and they just stone cold, like just massacre you. Yeah. I'm not going to dedicate my life to hunting them down one at a time. I'll just tell you that right now. Well, look, I might ask no, no, don't waste your time. Just do it all mean, at once. Mean, mean tweet them. Do it all or at just, once really do some snarky comments or just be a bit of a jerk, but I'm not going to like, you know, uh, equalizer, uh, style, yeah. uh, go after him. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't think I even asked, expected that from you. And by the way, I'm I meant, I meant natural off. causes. I didn't mean someone's going to knock me off. Does that happen? Oh yeah. What movie is, what movie is that? That's not a movie reference. It's a life reference, sir. Okay. My, my friend used to work at the, uh, at an auction auction house here in Langley. Okay. And it was amazing how many stories there were of guys who had, spent their whole life amassing stuff for their for their retirement whether it was one guy had like all these model cars that he was going to work on another guy had like this elaborate woodworking shop that he put together there's so many of these people and a couple weeks after they quit dead <laughs> here's the here's the model cars they'll come into the auction house to get sold off here's all the woodworking equipment coming to the auction house to get sold off yeah it was amazing it was really interesting it told, taught me a lesson which is don't put off today what you can put off tomorrow so uh, okay, but also, <laughs> that's, that's how much? Sense. No, just just curious. <laughs> yeah, uh, how much stuff should I have so I don't die? I, you know like, what? I, I do not know much. the golden mean on this. So what my my best advice is to don't honestly. There's no point if you want to make model cars. Fucking do it now. Make your okay. model cars. Don't wait till you retire. Do it now. All right. You got some time in the evening. If that's what you want to do, I'm not saying you, Ian. I'm just saying someone person if you want to do this dream thing that you've always wanted to do don't wait for retirement retirement is too late do okay it. start doing it now you sound like a very interesting freedom 55 ad <laughs> well since i'm on the freedom 95 plan uh, i'm glad i sound like a freedom 95 ad that'd like, be funny like because you're uh, sorry to say your age but you're getting close there you're a couple of years from there and it's like yeah, uh, no, nowhere near that as a, as a as a dream, but yes, fair, fair enough. But like, I'm just thinking when you turn 55, mm -hmm. you are required to a go year back from in now. time. A year yeah, from you, now. you're required to talk, go back in time and talk to your young self uh, and give advice. You know, that's what happens. Yes, I, I guess I can do it again. Time. I did that once yeah. already. Oh, you did do that in a cartoon, in a, in a comic I drew. Yeah. yeah. How old were you when you went back uh, the first time? Well, I went. I was. I I would have been. 29 i guess 29 28 29 and i would have gone back to my younger self would have been pre-cancer i guess so 20 in my early 20s okay first of all did yeah. you warn yourself about the cancer no okay that's a problem did, i don't you remember should've, it should've. might have been after the cancer i can't remember exactly it okay was, it's a it big was more, deal you should you yeah. should tell them okay you should tell them you know what i did put a date on it so i think it was yeah it was after the cancer because it was 1997 okay that i went back to that's right because I was just thinking like that was like the last time my life was how it had been all of my life up to that point. And then in a very short time from that point, I would have a job as a farrier. I had a child. I owned a place to li that I lived in. I didn't own it, but I, I bought up a you know, townhouse yeah. um, and something else. I can't remember what it was. But this, and I was married. Yes. Yeah. So I married Lisa as well. So all everything that was when I went back in time to visit myself was different. And I just, I just thought it was sort of an interesting like interchange or like exchange between these two myself. Just the idea of going back to the, my lazy self laying in bed reading rather than working. And then, you know, 
here I am from the future. It was, it, that's just an interesting writing exercise. It's like, just yeah. write a scene with you now and your past self. Yeah. And yeah. just like, what advice would you give? Now, remembering what your past self was like, what advice would you be willing to take? You know, that's the you, other question they, too, right? Like how, even yourself, like if you, you know, if you're a person who is kind of anti-authority or kind of reacts the opposite way you should to advice, which sums me up pretty well. Uh, <laughs> would I? What would I think of myself giving myself advice? I probably would wouldn't have much respect for it. So mm-hmm. you know, I'd have to figure out a way to deliver it in a way that would you know. But the story wasn't really about advice because, as far as my future self was concerned, everything was great. Like I don't have any advice for myself, right? Because whatever myself was doing then was hunky dory because it, it led to this, it led to where I am now, which is great, right? Now like, that's the thing. Like I can't. There's things I regret that I did in my life. You know, there's choices that I made, decisions that I made that were that were dumb. But at the same time, all those decisions, good and bad, all led to where I am now, married to Lisa with with two, you know, fantastic daughters, and or you know, or, or you as a friend, or my other friends as my friends. Like these are all things that all the decisions I made have led to. You know, so so I, I can't. I have like no interest in going back and correcting those things. You know, okay. It was more me just going back and kind of rubbing my nose in, in the changes that were going to happen. Right. <laughs> I would say also grab some collector's items and bring them to the future and sell them as well. But that's just me. That, um, well, that's that's the uh, well in the story, of course. My character asks my future self, "Did you bring me the winning lottery numbers?" No, I didn't. You just wasted all. You know, so that's kind of the... he would he would have destroyed the timeline and uh, exactly. And once again, once again, I don't. That's you know that would have changed my life in a way that would have uh, would have ca- caused my life to divert from where where that's it right. is right. So that's like imagine yourself then that guy, and mm-hmm. I don't want to say uh, dumb guy, but not as smart as you are now. No, no, he now, was, yeah, he was dumb. And, he was dumb. And now that guy, yeah, with money and no reason <sighs> to like do anything because he's got no. all the money. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Your mm-hmm. motivation for doing anything has just gone out the window. Yeah. And and your motivation for decadence <laughs> and self pleasure has just uh, just gone oh, up a hundred. Pleasuring myself. Oh. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And it would have been terrible because I have done stuff like that where I've bought, you know, a bunch of stuff in a in a like a frenzy of uh, you know, a decadent frenzy of selfishness. And it's no good because you can't enjoy 15 cds as much as you can enjoy one cd you know like one cd is very precious because it's the only cd you have or it's the only new cd you have and you listen to that and you study it and you live in it and it's yours and you know it all and you know it back to front you you can sing to the lyrics and stuff like that 15 cds those just disappear into your collection because you don't have time for them you don't have time to devote to 15 cds you know what i mean yeah so it's you know that kind of that kind of like pleasure it's pleasurable it is to buy things and i do tend to do it when i'm depressed for sure so it does have like a it does have like some sort of like chemical reaction for me to do to to buy that way but it really in terms of like the joy i get from it there's no joy at all mm. you know so yeah it just wouldn't have been bad for me it's no good at all no no what, I think... where i am now like what happened to me it's great i have no advice for myself keep making those dumb decisions dumb 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 Okay, now here, here's what and I'm And the gonna... good decisions, too. Keep making sure, both sure. those decisions. So as a writing exercise, I'd say the visiting your past self and having a little bit of dialogue yeah. is, a good, is a good first sure. writing exercise. Okay. Now, here's the second writing Uh-oh. exercise. Here's the twist. It's you, it's you 20 yeah. years from now, yeah. coming back and visiting you. What would that guy have to say to you? 
right now? Wow. And then, uh, and then, uh, you know, and, and then how would you resist that? Like, cause, uh, cause you know what your 20 years from now self would say, if you really oh, yeah, I can totally, I can totally imagine what he would say to me right now. Yeah, you're right. And, and so, but then what do you say back to him to go like, yeah, but what you don't understand is, well, yeah, like, oh. because, because I know that if I went back from the past or the future to now, my one big advice to myself would be, you need to quit your job because you're wrecking yourself and you're going to pay for it. In 20 years, you're going to be so sore. You're going to have okay. arthritis in your hands. You're going to have your knees are wrecked. Your back is wrecked. So this like, is a ghost of Christmas future. This yeah, is yeah. showing up. Yeah. And he's missing two arms. He's, got the, <laughs> he's like got that Captain Pike uh, thing and he's just beeping yeah. at you. And he's going to okay. say, like, you need to find something that's like less, less, you know, rigorous because you're getting old and you don't need to punish yourself anymore. You're an okay person, Dave. Stop hurting yourself. And then you say back to him. I say, well, that fuck off, like, old man. That's a great idea, but <laughs> where am I going to get? Then you push him down the stairs. Yeah, where am I going to get a job that pays as well as this job does and has the benefits? I can't go work in a store because I would take, you know, a ten dollar drop in my pay. I couldn't afford that. I couldn't afford to like lose the benefits I get from this job. So okay. your advice is good, but it's impractical. So I'm gonna have to live with the reality of what. What's going to be? And by the way, your life is probably okay in the future, even though you have sore hands and stuff like that. So let's let's live with it. We have to live with it. We have no choice. Okay, so you, so you don't listen to your future self then, and then he vanishes and goes back like, well, I tried. I and tried, just, and walks through the vortex, and you don't go like, well, the secret to time travel. Tell me, oh, it's too bad. <laughs> is there any question that you would ask him, or would you rather just? No, I'd rather not know. I could I could immediately think of a question, but. I, it's too sad to 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 know the truth. To, like to know what if it was the bad, the wrong answer, I would want to know. Here's what I would ask. I'm not even going to say what the what the question is because it's. I understand. Too, yeah. I would ask like, uh, what's the best new flavor of ice cream? I'd ask him like, there must be like a new flavor of ice cream that's come up between now mm, yeah. and then. Okay. And and have him just go. Okay, here's what you're going to love. Yeah. You're going to love this. It's going <laughs> to be your favorite, and it will come into existence ten years from now. Huh. And it's like, oh, that's something to look forward to. A nice new flavor of ice cream coming up. Nice. It doesn't affect anything. It doesn't change the world. <laughs> My knowledge of it. I'm not going to try and like get in on it first. Yeah. I'm just going to go. Hmm, that's a nice thing to look forward to. All right. Yeah. And and also one of these, I was asking one of these. It's just like, what's a movie I should see in ten years that I probably don't want to see, but I should see? It's like, oh, you should see this. I'm like, all right, that's good advice. I'll see that in ten years <laughs> when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, it would be nice to be visited. Now, I wonder if you visiting yourself in the past would then change your own timeline. So when no, because when you I, went into the future, you you wouldn't exist, or so you would just disappear. Or now, you go back into the you go to the future and it would be totally different in some way. No, I say what I do is uh, is I go like uh, when I'm in the future. Yeah, uh, I have like something that I take where I forget what I said to myself. Okay, and so and so that that vanishes, and so it's one of those things where like whatever I said was something that was said. It was a complete loop. It was always going to happen. Uh, you can't change the past. You can't change anything. It's all fine. Yeah. So yeah. we get the visit, but we without the consequences, and it's nice. Yeah. 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 No, I would. You know, it'd be interesting to see your 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 future self. I, Twenty years from now, I'd be seventy four. Yeah, which is still pretty young. Is it? Yeah. Okay, if you say so. Well, it depends. If you're if you're a football player, no. <laughs> That's right. Football, then no. Football player, if you're seventy four, you're a miracle. 
Right. I mean, you're not going to be working in a, a warehouse then. So like the things well, that my you, Freedom ninety five plan tells me yes. I, was I don't think I don't think I don't think it's it's good for them insurance wise to have the seventy four year old doing stuff. That's but right. I'd say the things that you really like to do, you'd still be able to do. And yeah, you know, yeah. I think I think seventy four is very different now than it was, you know, back in back in the day. That's right. I'd At say, least that's what it I'd say to my my past self, I'd say, Well we'll be happy to know that you're still doing a podcast, only we now call it Creaky Dragon. <laughs> so that'd be the, excellent yeah. oh my god now that's chilling we're still doing a podcast <laughs> that's right. oh my gosh we, we still haven't moved on <laughs> i think i think with that we'll have programmed uh like a computer program oh. to like just scan everything we've talked about yeah and just like hit it on random <laughs> and it'll be able to do that dialogue itself <laughs> like there's no reason that like a robot can't do uh, Stephen King minutia. That's right. Yeah, that's true. It's like, it'll figure stuff out. Like, I don't know. This tape. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> but of course, that's it right. is different than the original ending. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I ate three hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's. But you are a robot. You cannot eat hot dogs. <laughs> I have a taste for meat. Black Mirror. <laughs> oh no! It's the horrible Black Mirror episode. That's the future. That is the future. <laughs> it is. It's okay. At least by that point, I think we'll be over this uh, virus thing, so everything will be fine with that. That's um, right. you know, it you is know okay. Nice we to... live in a horrible dystopia, but no yeah. virus. But the nice thing was, uh, we actually got to see you this weekend. Yeah, that uh, was nice. It was nice to come down. We had a socially distant uh, we, uh, visit. We did. You sat on one side of the porch, and, and Lisa and I sat on the other. You and Pia sat on one side. and So it was, either, it was like we were squaring off in a, in a game show. We just needed a, a host there to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Survey it was, it was, says... It was very family feud. You're not wrong. <laughs> no, but it was very, it was very, very nice. And it was just like, oh, man, miss talking to people. Yeah. Miss looking at people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got to uh, see my crazy hair, which is. I know it was nice. Well, you see my crazy hair. As yeah, well. yeah. I'm I'm doing. Uh, but I think you a... got your hair cut shortly before the the quarantine, right? Oh, did I? I don't remember now. I'm sorry. If I I'm... don't remember either. All I know is I'm now getting notes from people, um, from Nina, from my mother-in-law, yeah. uh, other people saying like, "Oh, I'm worried about your hair," but just from my drawings of myself. <laughs> But I also it was it was because I drew myself in a t-shirt yeah. uh, the other day, and so I drew myself with hairy arms, and I'm like, I've got hairy arms. But it was <laughs> like, you know, I'm worried about your hair uh, growth during all this. I'm like, I know it's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm drawing myself so hairy, but I think this is, <laughs> this is accurate. Well, my was... mother-in-law like comments like, "Oh, it's nice you've shaved." Well, I just didn't draw in the stubble. Yeah, it's not. It is all okay. Fine. I, I I was three days away from getting my haircut when they called the the then they called the quarantine. Oh, and I was just like, oh, that's it. But I'm getting it cut in a month, in less than a month now, twenty seventh of June. Okay, good. I'm going to get it cut. So um, and I get my haircut at a at a uh, it's a it is a store. It is like a storefront barbershop, but they basically I don't I don't think I've ever been there. Well, I've been in there a few times where there's been another person, but there's generally only two people there, and and more than more than often, more often than not, just me. So okay. it's it'll be it'll be very safe. I'm sure that the that the uh, hair, hairdresser will take the necessary precautions. Okay, and you uh, and you go to one of those Turkish places that sets your hair on fire, right? That's uh, that's how you get it. <laughs> that's done? how you know me. That's how I like my hair. It's on fire. I just think like that's probably in this day and age, it's the safest way. 
<laughs> it's the safest way. If it burns no. away, the virus burns with it. Uh, you know, and uh, smoke he, scares the virus. He's going to be so mad when he sees my hair. <laughs> Why? Just because because he knows how thick it is, and he's just going to see this giant mop. Oh, it has not been touched, you know. It's... You are you are far from his worst problem. No, no, no. I'm I'm sure, but I just mean yeah. that. I don't mean he's going to be really mad. He's just, but he's just going to be like, oh, oh man, like because he doesn't. He can't use even when I go there, like normal, like after like my normal two two to three months, he can't put clippers in my hair because they just kill the clippers. So he has to cut with scissors the whole time. Well, so Nina gave me the advice of I should use the Floby. So what I is mean, the Floby? Is that that thing where you kind of roll it around your head? It's a it's a vacuum cleaner attached to some blades, and yeah, you just roll it around your <laughs> that head. That sounds terrible. That sounds like a yeah, terrible it idea. Like, it's it sounds like a great idea. Like I can't think of what could go wrong. What could go wrong? One of the guys at work, he um, this happened a little while, a couple of weeks ago. He was a Saturday night. He'd had about six six cold ones. Mm-hmm. He decided at that moment, perfect time to cut my hair. Lives by <laughs> lives by himself, so he got out the clippers, did two swipes from the back of you know from his neck up to the top of his head and then he yeah. realized he realized it was at zero so oh. so he had so then he like tried to like fix it as best he could and then he just went to bed and he woke up in the morning and he like took a picture of the back of his head and then he realized there's this long like streak of like long path of still what his you know original hair running down the back of his head that he totally missed it was just there and oh it, so he had to do the best he could and try to fix it, but you know, you know what they say: two weeks between a good and a bad haircut. Uh-huh. Three weeks before it looked <laughs> half decent. Yeah, yeah. So just demented. But you know, I mean, if you're desperate, you, you, you know, you got to do, you got to do what you want to do. And he was not happy with his hair. I've actually been like Lisa's cut the back of my head, back of my hair, like mm-hmm. a, you know, and kind of like uh, transitioned it in a little bit from from you know, so that it, you know, shaved my neck and and cut 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 the hair down there so it it looks nice in the back it's really just the sides that are like you know like my hair is like so long it's touching my ear now um so that's you know that's kind of i but i'm i'm kind of enjoying it like i think it's kind of funny oh good like i think it's just it's just like so crazy like and the thing is like what i do like at night i take a a shower before i go to bed at night just because i I work a dirty job so i I like so i like to go to bed like nice and clean so i take a i take a bath not a bath i take a shower I don't use baths, everyone. I do not. I do not lay in my own filth. But I take a shower, <laughs> and uh, I take a shower, and then I just, you know, I put some gel in my hair, and then I go to bed. So when I get up in the morning, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, at best, it's you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, a hair roulette. But uh, at this point, it's just like madness is all, all guaranteed. Like it's just a crazy mess. So I'm kind of enjoying it. Like I like to get up in the morning and just see like what what's happened. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm full. I was like full David Lynch a month ago, <laughs> yeah. and now it's just gone even farther. Yeah, it was interesting when uh, when yeah. when Nina suggested the Floby. Yeah, I was like, ah, right, let's take a look at that ad. So mm-hmm. I watched the ad for the Floby, yeah. and then it sent me down the rabbit hole of KTL products. Ah, because immediately it brought up the hair magician. What's the hair magician? Hair magician is like a it's a comb with a razor on it that you drag along your hair, and this my mother did have. And, and and gave us haircuts with him. I will send you the video of the commercial for this product. I, I do. And it, it would pull your hair so it would hurt. Yeah. It would, and especially as it got more dull and there was no way of sharpening it. <laughs> oh, it was just terrible. Uh, and it was I like think the that's hair, how Romans cut their hair. It could be. It's it's yeah. It's called the hair magician. 
Uh, it comes with a vinyl case attachments, yeah. uh, barber comb, vinyl case. extra blade, Ooh, la, la. and directions. It was two ninety nine and yeah. uh, worth every uh, a quarter. <laughs> and it's weird because it was the hair magician because one of their most popular things was the fishing magician. What was it? No, no, pocket fisherman. No, that's Ronco. Ronco had the pocket oh, fisherman. Oh, Kato had the fishing magician. Okay, what was the that? The fishing magician. You do. It's not a rod. Uh, it it it's got a measuring tape so you measure your fish. It's got a scale so you can like hang your fish and weigh it. Yeah. It's got a hook that so you can dehook your fish. Uh-huh. It's got uh, it's got like a blade so you can uh, gut your fish. It, it basically, if you've got the pocket fisherman and then you got the fishing magician, yeah, you're you're set because you can do all, all the things you need. Now here's the thing: yeah. uh, the fishing magician, magician yeah. then became a parody on SCTV called the fishing musician. That's right. And that was a John handy character which is just loosely based on this you know the name of this ktel yeah 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 yeah. and what's funny uh, but, about that is that later on the uh kind of alt what do we call alt like avant jazz play john lurie avant jazz saxophonist started a show called fishing with john so he literally became the fishing musician oh neat there you go that's that i thought i'd finish that off everyone you're welcome yeah they also had ads for uh these snow blocks which was basically just a plastic box and you would put <laughs> snow you would put snow into it okay it would make a snow brick yeah and then you could make an igloo well, very safe and we did it like i remember doing these oh, and you wow. see you see the ads for them and wow. and i will send you these ads and and you'll go like oh that was our childhood that was what you did you just built <laughs> These incredibly dangerous things that would collapse. On I could, we couldn't have done that here, but yeah, that's uh, I could see mm-hmm. that in Montreal. Working. Yeah, and, and they also had uh, these uh, Bigfoot uh, feet that you slip them on your feet, ah. and you could Bigfoot uh, footprints everywhere. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That created a craze. And final one is the uh, Blitz Hacker, which was a slap chop, but with a cooler name. That's great. Now, yeah. so so the one then Kato also have like the the record thing where you could like it would flip through the records for you to a certain not just not just the records dave yeah that's too safe that's (laughs) at your house what you want is the tape selector that's where you're going to put your uh, eight track tapes in your car okay and it will do the same thing and it'll keep everything organized and Uh dangerous and uh, (laughs) busy busyness that's like takes up way too much space yes yeah 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 but indeed, yes, they did have have that. Luckily, in those and days, there was no other cars on the road, so you were fine. You could drive, distracted drive as much as you wanted to. It's okay. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll send I'll send you the link with all these things. One of my favorite ones is the bottle cutter kit, um, where you could just cut your own bottles because you want to put things in bottles, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, but how can you do it? Well, I guess you could do it the way that people do it. Like it's a, it's hard, and you have to like build it in the bottle, and then everyone's impressed. No. Well, you don't. Just... You don't build it in the bottle. You you build it, then you slide it into the bottle, and then, and then you the then you pull in. the masts up. Yes, and then sure, sure, you could that's... do it that dumb. That's a dumb way to do it. Here's what you do: <laughs> you, dumb, is, dumb. Uh, you just cut the bottom of your bottle off, uh-huh. shove whatever you want in there, yeah, and shove the the bottle back together and glue oh. it, and yeah. then uh, hey, big shot. Look yeah. what you put in a bottle. Anything you want. Oh, how come no one? Uh, yeah. No, how come no one showed Bob and Doug that when they were going to try and put the mouse in the bottle? Exactly. <sighs> exactly. Been so helpful for them. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I'm definitely well, sending you that. this, and you are so lucky. <laughs> incredibly, incredibly and will, lucky. And I will link a few of those on the post. Good. Uh, speaking of uh, where we link things, which is our web page, we had uh, some letters last week. Uh, may I read said letters, David? 
please read. Very good. So uh, we we do questions of the week, and uh, and uh, one of the questions last week was uh, who was a teacher that made a real difference in your life, for good mm-hmm. or bad. And uh, is there something you've learned to cook or bake recently? Ah. Uh, and you put up on our page uh, a nice drawing from our friend uh, Louise. Yes. Uh, about squirrels and and yeah. uh, and uh, Ed, uh, Ed is it Ed Dragansky did these drawings? Yeah, Ed Dragansky did some drawings. Yeah, of, did uh, did some very violent drawings. That were funny. <laughs> yes, of, uh, I feel like those were done when he was younger. Those feel like things we do when we're young. Well, I like that there's one of Dennis the Menace uh, who was shot a. Um, uh, like a slingshot at Charlie Brown. Yeah. And, and at first I thought, did he take Charlie Brown's eye clean out? <laughs> I think it's, uh, but, I think it's but his it ear. Like, no. What? I think he lost his ear. No, no, no. He's holding his eye. His oh, he's holding his eye. Oh, is, oh yeah. Okay. Like he, his eye is bloody and, uh, and messed up and, oh, it's oh, dear. Uh, pretty, pretty gruesome. Anyway, uh, but I'm not one to judge Edward until we get to his letter. Yeah. So Louise writes, uh, a teacher who made a real difference in my life was my high school drama teacher, Mr. Simpson. He was great at directing large groups of students in elaborate productions. He cast students in roles regardless of uh, of their uh, ethnicity. Uh, He also had us create our own theater pieces. He was usually very gentlemanly, but I saw him lose his temper a few times when students were goofing around during rehearsals. He'd yell and throw his script binder on the floor. It was educational to learn that even great teachers could lose it. Um... I don't think I would have met you two if I hadn't gotten so involved in theater. So he had an indirect influence on your lives, too. For good, I hope. Well, that was fishing for compliments. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's good. It's good that we know you. That's good. Yes, That's it's good very, that we very, know you, Louise, because you're great. It's, it's you're, Yeah, you're, you're great. Jeez, we gave her a compliment last week. <laughs> now it just feels like she's just coming back for more. I don't... That's fine. Don't, okay. But some people would deserve compliments. Her drawings, her drawing was good. I gotta say that. Yep. So was Edwards. I'm, I gotta read Edwards' letter now. Uh, right. Edward, Edward Dragansky writes: uh, This was a hard. Uh, this was hard to pin down one teacher who made a difference to me. Uh, being I've had so many, I decided to go back to seventh and eighth grade when this teacher really took an interest in me and basically inspired me for the first time uh, about a career in art. Her name was Bobette King, and she was my art teacher for two years while I attended middle school. Mrs. King wasn't a great artist herself. But she really knew how to create an enjoyable atmosphere for learning. Everyone loved her. Most students uh, just took art as an easy elective. But Mrs. King saw something different about me, uh, that I was serious about my work. I remember the day she asked me if I knew what commercial art was. She followed me. Uh, she followed by explaining to me that uh, there might be uh, the field for me to. It might be the field for me to focus on. And with that in mind. Mrs. King would take me aside and explain how certain projects we did could be applied to commercial art and advertising. She actually went out of her way to put me on the right path. I kept in touch with Mrs. King over the years. When I had trouble with my high school art teacher in the years to come, I went to Mrs. King for her counsel during the school district art shows. I almost failed high school art due to the fact that I didn't get along well with my teacher at all. Uh, As well as I did with Mrs. King in uh, middle school, high school was the direct opposite. Mrs. King was always there to listen and encourage me to carry on, even though I was no longer a student. I remember a sadness in Mrs. King, though, and I learned that her husband was very ill with an incurable cancer. She had come to care for him after a long illness that left Mrs. King a widow, and I didn't see her for many years following that. One day when I was in my early 30s, I called middle school to ask what had become of Mrs. King. They took my number and told me that they would pass my request on to her. A few days later, Mrs. King called me while I was at work. She asked me if I remembered her husband who had died, and I said I did. 
Uh, due to his lengthy illness, Mrs. King was never able to travel abroad and visit all the great art throughout the world. This was something I remember her being very passionate and sad about at the same time because she, she had to care for her husband. Eddie, she said, do you remember how I wanted to travel the world and see all the great museums? I do remember that, I replied. Well, after my husband died, I met my second husband at church, and he's taken me around the world twice. I finally got to see all those great museums. I fought back the tears. I was so happy for Mrs. King. To me, this was her reward for all the great advice over the years. And finally, I heard a genuine happiness in her voice. I don't think a teacher uh, could be much better than that or be rewarded for a career she unselfishly cared about so, so much about. I owe her so much for those first steps and the help along the way. That's very touching. That's a really nice story. I had an art teacher that was very similar uh, to that. And like when I would finish an art project, she would let me have a stack of paper and I would just do joke strips like just do do, do gags mm. and it really was encouraging at a time where i hated school yeah and, yeah and now i basically that's one of the things i do for a living is i write gag cartoons yeah and it's like she definitely encouraged me in that and, and didn't go stop it stop wasting time do 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 something serious and uh, you know she was just all on board and i remember something that impressed her that i said once because it's weird when you impress an adult when she was talking about you know, uh, what do you do when you get bored? And I said to her, oh, I don't get bored. And she was like, no, I don't think you do. <laughs> and it's something I've always remembered. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't. Aside from, you know, if I'm in like in a math class or something, and yeah, yeah. something I don't understand, I'm forced to be there and not be able to do anything else. I'm fine. But I'm never at a, a, a loss when I'm like on my own or yeah. traveling or whatever. I'm never, I'm never bored. I'm the same. You yeah. know, there's always something to do. I mean, even if even if it's just you know something like relaxing, like reading or whatever, like you know, it's such, so enjoyable to me that I never, I don't regret having you know like nothing to do. Ugh, what's what's gonna happen? Ugh. Yeah, it's just such a weird thing to me. And again, like right now, I, I, it is possible I am bored now. It's possible because it's been so long that I've been now in the house. Yeah, not going to do the things that I normally do that I might be getting a bit squirrely. Sure, but you, I don't. Well, you certainly seemed way too happy to see me on Sunday. So yeah. Yeah, I was like, I threw a gun at you and said, let's fight. I'm like, what? <laughs> a lot of energy. Uh, Edward uh, goes on to write, uh, Susan and I decided to make homemade pizza about two months ago. Mm. And now that we have it down to a science, we've been making about it once a week. We make the entire pizza from scratch. Susan makes the dough first, uh, then the sauce while I shred fresh mozzarella. I think being uh, freshly shredded makes a huge difference in the taste. So it's worth the work. Uh, we get all the toppings ready in bowls, chopped black olives, fresh chopped mushrooms, seasoning, and then we top the pizza and turkey pepperoni so it's not as greasy. Yeah. Uh, regular pepperoni gives us both heartburn. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, I make my crust a bit thicker than Susan does. And even though we've been through some trial and error, I think we've got it down now. We always make extra because I swear it's even better heated up the next day. It's true. <laughs> I agree. With homemade pizza the next day is much better. And uh, my wife, Pia, also makes an amazing pizza crust. And I think I make a pretty good pizza sauce. Okay. And uh, and and you're right. You make the – you shred the mozzarella fresh. It's, it is better. Absolutely. Mm. Put a little, uh, uh, you know, Parmesan on there as well for sure. Yeah. Mm. Ah, I want some of that now. Um, <laughs> maybe hungry. Maybe hungry, Edward. It's pretty uh, good. It's pretty good. I, I always find homemade crusts – like the way it's cooked – we, the way we have to cook it because we don't have pizza ovens. So this is a little disappointing. Okay. We'll run a, uh, we'll run a recipe by you later on. Um, 
Edward, uh, it's not Edward. We've done two by Edward. Uh, let's do one by Todd. Uh, Todd uh, writes and says, I finished Dr. Thorne. Oh, we're talking about this last week. Hooray. I finished Dr. Thorne and enjoyed it all the way through. Oh, so the glad. climax good. The climax involves a lot of finagling over the execution <laughs> of a will. Yeah. And Trollope uh, wishes there was a charity organization of lawyers who could provide free fact-checking for writers to help them get the legal details right. Yeah. His closing remark, but since there is no charity like that yet, don't blame me if I got all the legal stuff wrong. <laughs> I just did whatever was necessary for the plot to work or words to that effect. Yes. So uh, like I said last time, it's touches like these that can make uh, the book feel surprisingly modern for a Victorian novel. I'll probably check out Can You Forgive Her later this year. Uh, but for now, I'll take a trollop timeout. Thanks again for the recommendations. Uh, and something I've learned how to cook recently, udon and more udon, which I just cooked udon for the very first time uh, last, uh, like, yes, two days ago. Oh, wow. Because uh, I've been making ramen, and uh, okay. and I bought some udon from the local I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. Explain. It's a, it's a thicker noodle. It's a, oh. It's a, it's a, I've had it. I've had it. I prefer. Yeah. I prefer a, a, a small, a more narrow noodle. Yeah, I, I, I put that uh, with the, the homemade chicken chicken broth that I made from mm. chicken, and I make the chicken broth. Then uh, I put the uh, soy mirin egg. There's a boiled egg that you soak in soy and mirin. Cut that. Put that on top. Take a seaweed. Put a little bit of seaweed there. Uh, then we take the uh, pork tenderloin. Shave it nice and thin. Put that on the top. Some uh, some green onions as well. A little bit of butter uh, also there. And uh, holy moly, pretty pretty good, pretty good stuff. Glad. So uh, yeah, glad to hear. My, uh, and I'm glad wife... I'm glad to hear that Todd enjoyed Doctor Thorne. I, I do think that's a very yes, a very fun book. A lot of fun. Well done. Um, huh. Chris Roberts writes. Hello, uh, Chris. Al- Hello, Chris. I've always enjoyed cooking, especially for my family or group of friends. Our children are all young adults now, uh, but we're one of those families that still gets together around the dinner table, where I can honestly say I've enjoyed some of the deepest and most hilarious conversations in my life. That's very sweet. Me too. Very good. You weren't there with him. You're not one of his family. (laughs) I'm just saying at our house. You liar. Just saying at our house, we also have. Oh, wait, your own house. It's a similar experience. Very good. It's funny today, uh, Mary called and we ate dinner. We basically ate dinner together. She was on the phone and we were eating dinner and we talked for a solid hour. It was nice. I uh, I have uh, lost a little bit of my faith in my ability to tell jokes, and I can connect these two things together. Uh, the the joke I just did with you was similar to a joke I did with my friend Liz, who is on that show, the Upload Show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was writing uh, today. You know, um, it's been uh, it's it's been three three months since I hugged uh, my parents. Uh, how about you? And so I wrote back. I don't think I've ever hugged your parents. Should I? <laughs> yeah, it's just a silly little joke, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I would have the faith that that joke would land, except I made a clunker yesterday. And here's my here's my clunker. Okay. Was my nephew is graduating from high school. Uh-huh. So so he's doing um we're we watching it on video and they divided it up so it's like four kids at a time and and what have you and they and then they did a bunch of pictures and it was all very very sweet. And so, you know, uh, we're we're doing like the live chatting of this like, oh, it's great, it's fantastic. And we bu- we got him uh we got him a, a gift like it was a manual for his car he's got and uh, he was really grateful about that. So, like uh, later on in the day, he writes this uh, this elaborate uh, like thank you to me okay. and to, and to and to 
uh, Pia and also uh, Vicky. And so it's this long thing about thank you for the manual thing. It's really appreciated all this. And it was really sweet. And it was very touching. And so, and so I responded after getting the thumbs up from my team, um, new phone, who dis? <laughs> Love it. So, uh, yeah. Right. So, um, so thinking, ah, oh, that's going to land great. And so he wrote back, it's, it's Kyle. It's Kyle Wong. Now, first of all, what I love is that he's like got to write me and just go like his last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're my nephew. You don't need to. <laughs> There's just no. It's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. And I had to write him back. No, 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 no. That was just a joke. It's just joking. Uh, <laughs> but like again, it just went. Bleh. Not at all. Nothing. Uh, you know those yeah. those kind of jokes. You kind of need. You kind of need a an immediacy of like you have to kind of be together, yeah, to make that work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I ran it by I ran it by the room. Yeah, I yeah, I know, I know you did. Know. And then I was like, oh boy, so yeah. So I did that to hey. you. I think before I did that to you when like a long time ago when it's still on Main Street, and you you had the similar reaction, which is kind of like what? <laughs> so because I wrote to you and then you wrote back to me and then I went new phone who dis? I just thought that was funny just because <laughs> I had written to you first. And your reaction was just kind of like, you know, question mark or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's a hard one. It's a hard one because it's really like you, yeah. you really kind of got to trust. It only works to like after a big tender speech. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is this? Yeah, exactly. All right. It was a good joke, uh, but I, I, I can see I can see I can see it from Kyle's point of view, too. I interrupted Chris's letter, though. So let me get back. You to did that. interrupt it. Well, it's too late now. Sorry, Chris. Right in yeah, next bye. time. Right anyway, again. Tell the story years later. Ago now, almost four years ago. Four years ago. Uh, one Olympics ago. Uh, our <laughs> son Jake returned home from university where he had become vegan. So we had a choice. Cook different meals to eat together. Yeah. Each do our own thing or give it a go and join him. I don't think you're going with the other alternative. New son. <laughs> New son. <laughs> yeah, Chris. You yeah, didn't you you did explore all the alternatives here. Yeah, this he was story in university. Is... Yeah. yeah, student exchange program. Yeah. Just get me a kid who's a carnivore. <laughs> That's right. Well, omnivorous anyway. Yeah, sure. That'd be fine. You don't want a uh, monster. So at first I had the usual omnivore's doubts about oh, making omnivore. the change. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do they eat, these people? <laughs> they don't eat people. Uh, however, after learning more about the environmental benefits of going meat-free, I realized I had to try. Okay. Incidentally, that reminds me of my favorite short joke. How do you know... <laughs> How do you know when you're talking to a, ve- a vegan? Don't worry. They'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. Initially, I was planning to be like 80% vegan. But after a few months, I found the diet so easy and enjoyable. I knew I was going to go the whole hog. Hey, wait. That can't be right. Uh, I've always made pasta dishes, pizzas, risottos, and curries that were either vegan or easy to adapt. And I've expanded my range to take in hummus, falafels, all kinds of plant-based burgers, samosas, spanakopita, and you get the idea. Store-bought vegan cheese isn't quite there yet. No, 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 it is not. So I started making my own <laughs> using cashews with rather good results. Um, Go on. There are so many great blogs that made it simple to find and try new recipes. Another favorite I thought I'd miss was mayo. But I made one with soy milk uh, now that would defy anyone to tell the difference. Oh, okay, good. Cool. I would like to see that recipe, Chris. Um, also, and if I'm invited to someone's house for dinner, I have a rule. Don't be a dick. 
if you're kind enough to make a meal, I'm not about to get snooty just because there might be some cheese or chicken stock in there. Bon appétit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that sounds like a good uh, a good rule. I've I had, like that rule. I love I've that rule. In fact, definitely friends and family members who have been vegetarian and vegan, and I do like the challenge of uh, finding. Uh, you said that. I mean, I, really, I don't mind vegetarian. I just find vegan is it's uh, it's hard because you know, especially not your. It's not a family member. It's a, a you know. A, a friend of of my family who's coming to, to for dinner. Damn outsider! Yeah, and they're just dropping by, right? They're not like it's not planned either, right? They're just popping in. So, yeah. and it was easy when they were vegetarian because you know you just like drop one part of the meal out of the way, right? So, you know you just make sure that you don't if you're making say a stir fry, you don't add chicken to part of it. You can separate it out. What you know, it's what you know, lots of ways around it, right? Sure. Making spaghetti, you just make sure you have a vegetarian sauce and. On hand, which I always, you know, when when they were younger and she came over more often, I would do that. You know, it's just it was really difficult when she became a vegan because it it further narrows it and it narrows it so much for me because I'm like, you know, I'm like a, I'm like not that I'm a, it's not that I'm a like a meat monster, but you know, it's it's also eggs, dairy, you know, so cheese, which is part of dairy, obviously, butter. Oh, that's also dairy, but you know what I mean, right? So all these <laughs> things that you you put in the meal without thinking about it, suddenly you can't use them, and you're like. You have to double guess yourself, and it's so, or second guess yourself, and also double guess yourself, triple if you want. But it's really difficult because you're just not used to that, right? You don't have like a, you don't have like a standby vegan uh, recipe. You can just kind of like, oh, I'll just throw that together for her or whatever. And, you just, and like there, you know, and even like, even if you make a salad, like probably all of the salad dressings we have in our in our fridge are all have like some sort of meat or, or it's not meat, some sort of dairy in them. You know, like the, they don't. I guess Italian wouldn't. That would be it. So here you go. Thanks for coming. Here's some some limp lettuce with some Italian. <laughs> You're welcome. Like you know what I mean. Like you just can't you can't throw it together. You have to kind of be prepared. Yeah. And uh, and I wasn't because I I just don't cook that way and 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 I'm not a I'm not a great cook as it stands. I'm a, I'm good at I'm a, I'm good with a recipe book, but I'm not good with um with a uh, I just like throwing items together and making something out of that. I, I had a, a good vegan cookbook once called, because uh, I went to uh, the book launch for it, and okay. it was called How It All Ve- How It All Vegan. Ah! It was, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, two uh, two young women who uh, were full of tattoos and uh, <laughs> got, got along well. Sure. And, and, and it was really interesting. It was interesting seeing the recipes. There were some really good ones for scrambled eggs that weren't scrambled eggs. But I had to find Bragg sauce, and I'm like, where do I find this Bragg sauce? Now, of course, I can find it anywhere. It's fine. All the ingredients are super easy to find. But back then, it was it was uh, tricky. It was uh, 1999 is when I when I started oh. experimenting with that stuff. Yeah, sure. and uh, it's hard yeah. to find those things when you're on a moon base. Yes, uh, but the one lady could turn into any animal, so I'm like, oh well, I could eat her <laughs> as like many animals. So That'd I got to ask her. She turns into animal. She when she comes back into human, she's missing her arm. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you could just keep so turning into a loud. starfish, I would appreciate it. And I'll just eat <laughs> one arm every so often. Uh, yeah, if you could just at the end of it, just turn into the biggest animal you could. Like good, a good meat animal, like a you know, moose or a bear or something like that, I would yeah. really appreciate Perfect. it. Perfect. That'd be make it easier to eat you. Um, but that was uh, that was all of our, uh, our letters on the page. Did we have any letters in other sources, Dave? This uh, this week? I don't think so. I don't either. I, don't, I think that was it. And I, I think, oh, well, you know what, though? I am going to read an old one um, because we just got a letter about our 53rd episode. Really? And, uh, you yeah. an email about it? 
We got a no. I mean, we got a uh, oh, a comment on our, our sneaky dragon page. Oh, a comment on on our fifty third episode. Yes. Huh. Well, and it was it was you talking about on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, and, that's right. And Liam, yeah, has uh, eleven reasons why uh, it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie, Liam. But go on, Ian. Okay, I don't uh, necessarily disagree with Liam, but here we go. Yeah. Uh, number one, George Lazenby doesn't work as James Bond. Wrong. Number two. Wrong. The opening sequence, a woman decides to kill herself the least effective way possible yes, it's by a walking cry for help. slowly into the ocean. It's a cry for Bond help. is attacked on the beach, which leads to a fight with a grown man splashing around in the waves. Not cool. It's a good fight scene. Number three, this never happened to the other fella. That's the bad. Line. I agree. That's, can't that's be, not great. Isn't earned, it doesn't work. Number four, Bond gets into an argument with M and tries to resign. Well, he resigns all the time. Yeah, that's a, not uncommon. He's always going rogue, and he's always yeah. arguing with them. I don't know about I that. I think the problem no. with that sequence isn't doesn't he like pack his desk up while other themes are playing? Yes, that's yes, a little that's, that's right. a little hokum. Yeah, number five, James Bond wears a kilt. Not cool. Kilts are very cool. Kilts Disagree are super cool. Yeah, number six. I wish James I could Bond wear a kilt. Doesn't flirt with any of Blofeld's twelve angels of death. Yes, he does. A few, he's, a he few beds girls one. he beds seem one. to flirt with him, but James Bond does not seem charming at all. I he goes to this, sleep with one of them. I attribute this failure to George Lazenby. Number seven. Uh, Blofeld traps Bond in a room, and Bond escapes by jumping out an open window. So Blofeld tied up Bond in a room with an exit? He had to risk his life to get to it, but the room had an exit? Ugh. Uh, number eight. <laughs> I don't remember the, that. Part. The skiing scenes, the avalanche scene, and the bobsleigh scene are very boring. Not as boring as the underwater scenes in Thunderball. But close. <laughs> I disagree, but I can see why a modern viewer watching those would have some trouble with the back projections. Skiing well, we're not all time travelers like we've established you are. Yeah. I mean, but not as that. It's just like, you know, I watched it at the time. Not at the time, but I mean, I watched it in a in a time when, like, if you're going to complain about that, like, every Roger Moore movie is like a disaster. Go on. No, maybe we'll talk about Roger Moore later. Number nine, you end up with Bond and Blofeld fighting in a bobsled tube. Blofeld is hit in the head with a tree branch, and Bond thinks he's dead. This is the same man who stole nuclear weapons in Thunderball. This is the same man who, in You Only Live Twice, stole U.S. and Soviet spaceships and came so close to starting World War III that the U.S. had already sent bombers into an attack against Russia. James Bond thinks this man is dead half a mile up the hill from him, and so he leaves? Blofeld turns out to be alive and kills James Bond's wife. That's what you get for not checking to see if the guy is dead. Well, to be fair... Every James Bond villain makes that mistake in every James Bond movie. So that is, uh, you know, it's 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 common courtesy to believe the other person is not dead to give them a chance to come back to life. That's just James Bond rules. Uh, number 10, James Bond gets married. Okay. Uh, number 11, <laughs> it has a tragic 70s downer ending. Not how a James Bond movie should end. But. I think it's a brilliant ending. Some things I like. I like Blofeld's plan with the Angels of Death. Mm-hmm. Number two, the music is really good. Maybe my favorite good. soundtrack of the series. John and Barry number three, I like the fighting scenes. Really different from any other James Bond movie. Yeah, that was Peter Hunt, the director who had formerly been the editor. And one of his rules of editing fights was to cut frames out of the out of the scene. So the punches landed faster. And so it was very revolutionary at the time. That, uh, first, like really uh, obvious in uh, um, From Russia With Love in the, the train compartment fight with Robert Shaw and Sean Connery. Where he does that, there's if you watch it, you can see like there's the motions are much. It's not that it's it's not that the 
film the cameras cranked it's just that he cut out frames so because he just thought it was boring to watch like a fist swing through the air and then hit someone he thought it was much more interesting if they start the to throw it and then next thing you know it connects with the guy's chin and there and so it makes the fight feel very fast and rambunctious in the train car it's very good very very well done but i feel i feel uh yeah i can understand i can understand liam's um points but i think that was me digging but anyway uh <laughs> it sounds like you just got an idea I weird. I usually didn't turn turn off the sound, and I didn't though. Sorry. Uh, so I think that was me sending you the KTL file. Mm, yes. Uh, let me find this. Let me find these comments. I, I read these earlier today, and I I stomped around, kicking dogs, and uh, sure. I threw a couple of books. Oh I threw wow! A couple of books in the fireplace. Okay. It's not a real fireplace, so don't worry. Oh, okay. That's also it's all, fine. It's all good. But yeah, no. I I mean, I can understand. I can understand. Um. I can understand not liking the movie, but I, so like I, okay, so yeah, George Lassenby, I think George Lassenby was an excellent James Bond. I think it's, I think what works against him was his dumb decision to, and if you watch that movie about, about him, that documentary about him becoming Bond, I think it's called Mm -hmm. Becoming Bond. He was a man who was, made a lot of dumb decisions at that time in his life, but, but this was a real dumb, dumb decision just to walk away from, from a role like James Bond after one movie. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, one of the, one of the best movies, uh, I think what I like about him is his physicality. He brought way more physicality to the role than, say, Roger Moore did. Roger Moore, you know, is very does very little in his films. That's right. Sean Connery was fairly active, but then you have like the really embarrassing scene in Doctor No where he like freaks out at a tarantula on his chest. It's really <laughs> sad. Um, George Lazenby, like, if you watch. Honor Majesty's Secret Service, he does actual stunts in the film. He he's the one who climbs around in the where the cable car, the tram way, he's it's actually him climbing around on the wires and stuff like that in that sequence. It's not a stunt double. And that's pretty impressive. I like the I like, you know, an actor who's willing to, you know, kind of throw himself into a role and do some of the heavy lifting. I think that's really impressive. And I don't think his acting was that bad either. There is like a big part of the movie where he was uh dubbed. Uh that's the whole sequence in the chalet, in, in Blofeld's chalet with the, with all the women. Uh there's a a different actor dubbed his voice for that part of the film. Just because they wanted to give him a, a really high class accent, and it was not something that an Australian George Lazenby could carry off at that point in his career. Um, the opening sequence, I have no problem with it, except for that this never happened. This didn't happen to the other fellow. I don't really like that line very much. But Diana Rigg is not really killing herself. She knows she's being followed by her father's handlers. She's just making a dramatic cry for help. It's not a serious, not a truly serious, uh, you know, suicide attempt. Uh, the fight is great with the oars and all, and the guys falling into boats and everything. It's it's well done, super well done. There is a bit of um, there is a little bit of speeding up the the, the film though in some cases. Uh, yeah, the argument about getting about him resigning and stuff like that, it's it's great. It's partly done in order to to create the situation so Bond can befriend Drago, and then kind of worm his way into that situation where then he can get to Blofeld. Uh, so it's and then. Uh, once again, he does. He goes to bed with one of the angels, the cute, the cute lady with the with the perm and the round glasses. They, that's where he discovers that they're being hypnotized at night. The skiing scenes, yes, okay, they're pretty. You know, they're pretty uh, primitive now, but at the time they were thrilling. You know, if you watched it as a kid, you were you were thrilled. Unlike Thunderball, which you weren't that thrilled at. And uh, James Bond getting married is great. The reason that it that it doesn't work is because it's not in sequence to the books. So you don't get like the sense of 
the character arriving to that point. And then a tragic 70s ending. Well, tragic 70s endings are great, so that's great. And then it should have, if George Lazenby wasn't a ding-dong, it should have <laughs> it should have led to a great second film where Blofeld was the was the was the target of the next film and it was about Bond going to get him. But instead he quit. They brought back in Sean Connery because they got cold feet. You know, that whole what Her Majesty's Secret Service Secret Service suffers from more than anything is the cold feet of the producers at the idea of losing Sean Connery and bringing in another actor. And that's mm. why that movie has those weird backwards references. It's just trying to suck up to the audience and sort of apologize for the the disappearance of the real James Bond, quote unquote. Um, yeah, uh, I you know I I will defend that day that movie all day and all night. And I'm and uh, you know as I said I'm not a I'm not a big fan of. Um, of Roger Moore. There are some good Roger Moore films, but there's no Roger Moore film to me that's better than Honor Majesty's Secret Service or several of the Sean Connery films. Uh, and that's, you know, and that's just, I mean, it's all, of course, it's all subjective, I understand, but I'm going to defend my position anyway. Oh, very good. And so you have. If you disagree by, with Dave... By, by the way, Liam, thank yeah. you thank you for going back and listening to, to early episodes. Yeah. I, to, I totally appreciate it. And I love when people do that because, uh, you know, it's one of those things where... I've often thought, I've often thought, man, those shows were so rough and we barely knew what we were doing. And we could, you know, we're just like, we could barely hold it together as a, as a show. And then I go back and listen to them and I'm like, oh, this is really good. (laughs) It's it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's just, it's one of those things. I I was telling the story to the girls a little while ago where this was when I was a farrier uh, who, you know, had a terrible uh, imposter syndrome, which is my, that and my terrible business sense were my two, two, uh, Achilles heels. I had two Achilles heels. That's I was double Achilles. And so one time I was asked to go to this customer's house to to um, trim her horse or shoe her horse, and she wasn't going to be there. And I was I was a little nervous because to be honest, I hardly knew my customers' horses. I didn't really know what they looked like because most of the okay. time I was bent over looking at their foot, so I didn't really see mm-hmm. them. I kind of see them a little bit. I give them a pad and you know and I you know goof, you know play around with their nose and whatnot but i would i wouldn't really like stand back and gaze upon them and like know where all their markings were and everything so so i was nervous i was like oh my god am i gonna know which horse is hers when i get to to this to this place so then i thought you know what i know that there's this other farrier who trims horses that are there and he's like four million times better than i am so i'm gonna look at all the horse's feet and then i'll, mm-hmm. I'll be able to tell from how good the shoes are and how bad mine are that which one which is my horse so I got there and I looked at all the horses and all our shoes looked exactly alike. <laughs> they all looked exactly alike. I, I was as good as that farrier. And uh, that didn't wake me up, of course, to my imposter syndrome, but it, it still was kind of like a, huh, that's weird. I guess I, pr- I probably thought he's not as good as I thought. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I, I don't know how I continue these weird uh, illusions I live in. But anyway, that's okay, my problem. Well- my weird illusions, uh, like thinking Under Majesty's Secret Service is a good movie. <laughs> well, I just got this to say. By the time we get to our 450th episode, yeah. uh, get over the imposter syndrome completely. Oh, That's all I'm asking you to do. Is that right? Just, but, yeah, just get over it. I got six shows because you know what episode this is? This is? 444. 444. It's great. I love I love those sort of number things. 444. 444. Yeah, the old Frantics TV show. 444. Remember that show? <laughs> Loved it. Four, By the way, four, four, four. Uh, as I've always said, the Fantastic Four, they're building. It's like the Baxter building. Yeah. That's a stupid name. Fantastic Four should live in the Fantastic Fort. And that's where the they Baxter, should be. I always loved the Baxter building as a name. But a Fantastic Fort. 
is 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 excellent. Uh, Fantastic Fort. Uh, All right, fine. Uh, before <laughs> it's, I, it's a good joke. It's just I don't think it's a great name. Yeah, I think the Baxter Building. Well, well, nothing's nothing we're saying right now is real, so it's okay. <laughs> It's a great joke, but it's not a real name. I know, but they're not real people. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not. It's not I know, I know. I'm just saying within the within the con within the context of the. Now back the to Tom Bombadil. Here's what I think about. <laughs> I love Tom Bombadil. Um, I, now, picture, I, I picture him with one of those Shropshire accents. You know, hoity doity do. Exactly. So do I. Uh, here's here's uh, you know the segment that people love that we do every week, and it's is called that, uh, is it Deck Talk. Uh, no, it's called uh, Overheards. And so people love it. We do it all the time. And uh, only because I have one today. Oh, okay. I, I was uh, on the way here yeah. uh, to the uh, to the studio. Yeah. I, uh, two two uh, uh, kids passed me by. They were on bikes. I think they were like eight or nine. And one says, uh, hey, name something that doesn't exist. And the other one says, my dignity. <laughs> Overheards. That's, that's a true. That's a true story. Do you have any deck talk, by the way? I do because you know what's happening this week. Hopefully tomorrow, I should say that that's the end of the week. But it has to happen tomorrow. If it doesn't happen, it's not this week. But we are getting our deck done. Deck done. Deck, deck done. I am looking up above me, and my my ceiling is gone. Well, not ceiling. I used to have a ceiling, but I took that out because of the leaking. So, but my roof is gone. They they've removed some of the plywood because it's oh, wow. uh, it's damaged from water. So they're replacing it before they put the the liner on it. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, yeah. So I'm just looking. I'm staring up at a tarp. Earlier today, it had blown it had blown away, so it was all exposed. <laughs> it's right above my my com- my computer, so I wasn't very happy about that. Oh wow! Okay. But that's life. That's what it is. Uh, well, yeah. Keeps, it was. Uh, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really happy that this is happening. And so is my friend who sells us insurance because he he phoned me last night and he says, I just wondering when you're getting your deck done because the insurance company is really bugging me about you not having a deck and, you know, your rate's going to go up if you don't, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, you'll be happy to hear that we're getting part of the deck done tomorrow and the rest of it done in two and a half weeks. Well, that's great. I think it has to cure before they can put the, the railings on. But we are we are looking forward to this. This is It's summer. When summer comes, yeah. we're gonna have a deck. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, that's great! And the next year, we're gonna we're gonna put a cover over it—not over the whole thing, but you know, sort of partway over it. We'll have a we'll have a deck. I have a a roof over the deck just to so we have like a shaded area to have a table in and stuff like that. We're out of the rain. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. Well, congratulations. Is there a, is there any chick talk before we uh, before we wrap up? Well. We talked about it when when we up, but we haven't talked about it on the show. Which because we were the last time we spoke about the chickens, mm-hmm. one of our crazy chickens was disappearing and laying her eggs outside of our our uh, knowledge. Right. So um, Lisa and I made a, c- a concerted effort to find where she was hiding, which basically involved us lifting up the skirt of the tent that the Mustang is stored in, and there she was. She was by the t- by the one of the the passenger side f- uh, front tire. She had made a little dip for herself where she had nestled down in it. And Lisa was looking at her and she said, I think she's dead. Do you think Ugh. Do you think she's alive? And I said, well, I don't think dead chickens blink. That's my first clue. Mm. So I, I reached over and I, I picked her up. But she's brooding. So she she made this noise that I never heard in my life before from, from her, which is just kind of like, ah! 
So the whole time I was like trying to, and like, so I had to reach between two pieces of like two bars of metal and then these little ropes that kind of zigzag through them. And so I'd reach through there. And so I was trying to pull her out and I had to like turn her sideways to fit her through the opening. And the whole time I'm doing this, she's like, Aah! the whole time. And then I took her out and I put her down and then I looked inside and it was like looking into like a cage, a cave from like an adventure movie where yeah. there's like all this gold kind of you know, sort of like sort of trailing away from the camera up into like the hills of the cave, you know, up into like the, and that's where the eggs are. There's like this row of eggs. There was 19 eggs that I took out of there. So we, we ate eggs very well for the rest of the week. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and since Eve's been on a, been on our keto diet, uh, she really appreciated that because eggs have bits made a big part of it. And uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's all good. They're good. eggs. Good. They're such good eggs. They were small because she, she wasn't eating very much because she would be gone for three days she would appear, she'd eat like a pig, and then she'd disappear again for another three days. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they're hiding their eggs again. We don't know where. But after I get through this interminable kitchen project, I am going to uh I'm going to build a a, a roosting area in, in the in the chicken coop. So I'm gonna build like a an addition. I'll cantilever it out. I'll have a little door in the back of it. It'll have three narrow uh, laying areas and then a, a circle for them to like have to climb through to get into it because mm-hmm. apparently they like to feel very protected where they lay which makes sense like a bird doesn't want to feel op- op- exposed where they're you know because when, when you lay an egg you're obviously very vulnerable because a predator can hop you know happen on by and you're kind of stuck because you have to keep the egg warm and everything so yeah so so hopefully that will encourage them to lay in in the coop rather than in these various hidey hidey holes they keep finding yeah and they weren't happy with me yesterday because I wouldn't let them on the deck, those little poop, poop pots. But because we're getting the new, the new, uh, I, I swept off the deck and cleaned all the poo. Well, it wasn't much poo on the deck because we had the tarp on it, but I got rid of, you know, I just swept it off and got rid of everything that was on it. And I didn't want them like adding more to it. So, they, yeah. but they decided, you know what? You're up here. Perfect time for us to hop up here. First, they were scared of the wood because they've just been used to the tarp being there. So they didn't like it with the bare wood. They came up and they looked around like, nope, doesn't look safe. Don't like to look at this wood. <laughs> And they go back down the stairs. Then you come back up again and they look at it. They'd be like, no, nah, I don't think so. And nope, 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 nope. Can't can't go on this stuff. This is way, way too unsafe. Back down the stairs. But when I was walking, they're like, oh, we can go on that. Okay. So then they hopped up with me. Like, here we are. And I'm like, get off of here because you're pooing everywhere, you poop, little poopers. And so I was like taking them and putting them down the steps and they'd come back up and I'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> so finally I put a board kind of leaning over it so that it made it seem like they couldn't like climb up any farther or jump up. So... They stopped. They stopped their attempts. But yeah, chickens. They're a laugh riot. And and I want the show to end now because we then ended on a poop story. <laughs> is, that, is that how you end something? Yep. I didn't realize. There's no. There's no going anywhere from that. Oh, okay. Once you've had a poop story, yeah. What are you going to do? Sure. You know, I'd like to talk about marriage. <laughs> you know what? I'd like to talk about. You know, uh, the, the world today and the race relations. No, you just told a poop story. We're, you're done. Like that's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right, fair enough. Let the people know where they can go. Uh, I, I will, and let me actually give you a couple of questions. First of all, first oh, of sure, all, sure, sure. Like I realize that your uh, your chickens are not technically pets. Yeah, but they kind of are. They're very. You know, we do pet them. What is something weird that a pet of yours does or has done in the past? Just something like an, old, an odd thing that you're like, hmm, that's a little unique, weird thing that uh, that uh, your pet uh, has done. So I'd say that would be one question. 
And uh, do you do you have a second question? Because if not, I got one loaded up. Um, well, I was thinking something that's sort of Stephen King related. Sure, hit me. Uh, I was thinking, um, you know what? Actually, maybe maybe we have to ask this before, but I was thinking your favorite author when you were a teenager. Did okay, we... your favorite author when you were a teenager. Yeah, who's your favorite author when you were a teenager? I love it. I love it. Okay, so those are our two questions. What's something unique that a pet of yours did? And what is, uh, uh, one of mine is my cat used to play baseball. I would like roll up a little paper ball and I would throw it at my cat and my cat would just swat it and we'd play a game called Kinsey Baseball with my cat Kinsey. Oh, that's fun. It was a very fun, it was a very fun game to play and a very good baseball player. Like sometimes just go right over my head and be like, ah, that's a home run. That's a single. Okay. Well, yeah, tagged, tagged him out. Um, her. Um, so, okay. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have questions. any, I don't know if I have any weird things that, uh, you got a week to think about it. I got a week to think about it. All right. But if you want to contact us with the uh, with the questions or uh, other questions, we'll get into that in a second. With Here's questions or do. answers. Yeah. You go to sneakydragon.com. That is our website. And there we have all our episodes. And underneath our episodes are uh, am is a space for uh, messages. What? And so why not post there? Or go to Facebook and look up Sneaky Dragon and, well, heck, just post there. That's fine, too. If you like Twitter, and who doesn't, at Sneaky underscore Dragon, that's our address on Twitter. You can uh, tweet us or go to Tumblr, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. If you like uh, emailing, uh, then that is fine as well. Go to SneakyD at sneakydragon.com, SneakyD at sneakydragon.com. And here's something else you can uh, write us with. On our 450th show, uh, we're going to be doing, as we do every uh, something in 50th show, a uh, questions episode, which will go way too long. And we will answer <laughs> every question that you ask us. So any question you ask us, and you can ask us multiple damn questions, uh, we will answer them. They can be uh, personal. They can be philosophical. They can be trivia. They can be whatever you want them to be. Uh, but just send them by any of those means. And we will be drawing randomly uh, from the questions, and the winner will get a Sneaky Dragon prize pack, including uh, bumper stickers and uh, the, the Extra Sisters uh, comic that I that I wrote, uh, number six, uh, which is a hard to find issue, uh, and other stuff, buttons, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of business. We don't want to tell you what it is, but previous <laughs> winners have said. Oh lordy, do I want another one of those? Yeah. So uh, yeah, give us a give us a, a jingle and uh, ask us a question, and uh, there you go. So answer a question or ask a question, either is fine. And of course, uh, um, previous winners are not excluded from winning again. No, no. In fact, uh, you know we're, the fix is in. We'll probably just pick <laughs> it'll be David Dedrick. Yeah, there you go. Hooray! Yeah, you just have to bring it to your living room, the prizes. <laughs> it's not hard. Bring them up from the basement to your living room. Everything's uh, fine and fine. There you go. I so, uh, yeah, do a little of that, and uh, we'd appreciate it. And I think that is generally it. We have talked for a million years. Yep. My voice is running out. We have uh, we have fulfilled our contractual obligation. I have to go walk a cat around the house <laughs> while it's me. still sunny. <clears throat> oh, you're, are you all right? It's kind of dusty in here. Okay, you're not coughing into a, 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 a white handkerchief, and there's a little tiny bit of blood, and we're uh... <laughs> just call oh. me call me Camille. Okay, we will call you Camille uh, until next week. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Ian Boothby, and I've been David Dedrick. I don't know why I became Southern yes. in the Southern Bell there. Oh my, yeah. it's hot in here. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Bring uh, another mint julep, sneaky dragon. That's what you've been listening to. <laughs>
<laughs> it's all getting to us. It's getting to us. Everyone stay healthy. Uh, wash your hands. Bye. Bye. Bye.